I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. All out of bubblegum. fucking Mark Twain shit, because it's definitely getting chiseled on your tombstone. <laughs> I don't know why I just fucking hate them. They're just not people. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> Fuck those guys. <laughs> Fuck those guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you guys good? Let's yeah. do it. Everybody and welcome to uh, episode 11 of Who Will Survive Horror Podcast. Uh, we are doing something a little bit different for this show, but before we get into talking about what we're going to do, uh, let me first introduce my co-host Marco. Hey, what's up, man? Uh, nothing, nothing. Doing good. Just uh, glad to finally have this idea come to fruition here. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so. Normally on these uh, number episodes, uh, well, we've had a couple guests before. Uh, you guys have heard us uh, have uh, Bo and our friend Boz on, and uh, this time we are kind of crossing our interview episodes with a numbered episode, and we got a guest for the show to not only have a little bit of an interview with, but also to do a couple of movie reviews with us. So it's kind of a hybrid of a bonus episode and a numbered episode. Yeah, so. and also it might offer a little bit of a unique insight of stuff that we you know something that um somebody that's working on movies could give us a an opinion and that we just have as a viewer i know a lot of people are viewers also of course the, i mean that's given but something that we can take take for granted that somebody that's working on it could be like you know what it's very hard to do this or it's very different sure. to do this is why is this doesn't happen too much in movies so it's that's the exciting part you know having a guest and actually 
bringing some knowledge to it too. Sure. Uh, so with us tonight is uh, special effects and I guess um, other makeup artists and probably a few other titles that I'm not uh, thinking of properly. Uh, that is Mr. Nate Bright. How's it going, Nate? Hey, what's up, guys? I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, welcome, yeah, yeah. man. Welcome. Definitely. So um, you do special effects and and I know, uh, you know, makeup artist stuff. Is there any other any other things, any additional slashes that I'm leaving out on things you've oh got for movies? There's, there's an entire list, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, whenever the, uh, the makeup's not paying the bills, you know, I'll jump on whatever I can do. So uh, I've, I've done assistant directing, I've done personal sure. assistant, set design, uh, sure. everything you can think of in between. I'm short of producing and directing, I haven't gotten to do that yet. Uh, I've also acted nice. uh, not, we not well. <laughs> That's okay. Have, do you have uh, any interest in and in going beyond to like uh, directing or writing or producing or anything? Uh, actually, I do. I've uh, I have a film that I've been working on for a few years, uh, okay. just writing and trying to get together. Uh, we might actually discuss that later on. Hmm. Um, but someday, yeah, hopefully, I hope to kind of direct. Uh, producing, no, obviously, I'm poor. Sure, sure, sure. sure. That'll that'll never be one of my titles. But right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, speaking of producing, uh, the the way that we actually had met you was through the producer of a movie that you worked on, uh, Chris Hayes, because uh, you had come in to do a little bit of, of, I guess, pinch hitting for those guys on Head Game. Right. And then just kind of by a couple of random circumstances, we ended up having Chris come on for an interview. And then I know you had saw the posts about it and I just kind of started interacting with you and stuff and talking about, I don't know, all different stuff, toy photography and RoboCop and <laughs> fireworks. <laughs> do, do and... The best things on the planet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we just kind of started talking about a bunch of random stuff. And then, you know, I had, I had brought up to you about maybe coming on the podcast sometime. And that was actually kind of a while ago. And we just have kind of not really found the right setup to get you on the show. And some other things have come up that uh, luckily for us you you were kind of patient about when you would be able to come on because we've had a few things come up where it was like hey do you want to come on the show and guys will respond like uh, yeah how about next week and like fuck okay we got to scramble and watch a bunch of movies and get shit ready and so yeah we'll ask you again later <laughs> yeah and no, i'm more of a procrastinator on that end so, sure uh, sure having to wait a week or two is not a big deal for me yeah awesome but yeah that's cool that you have kind of this uh swiss army knife type of role but you're your first love is obviously in, in special effects and you know, I guess right. various forms of visual art. Now, um, I had seen a little bit of some of the stuff you did and you do, do you also do like digital effects and stuff too? Um, you know, I don't professionally. Um, okay. When I do certain projects for people, uh, whenever people hire me on to do makeup and then take photographs and stuff like that, uh, I also handle photography and then I can do a little uh, you know, digital makeup or VFX through uh, photographs and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's something I I'm, I'm not bad at uh, photograph-wise. I don't use Photoshop or anything. I actually use a, a bevy of uh, different apps through iPhone. Sure, sure. I do a lot of editing through iPhone, and sure. then I uh, kind of mark up the photos and then increase uh, increase their uh, resolution and things like that. And then I use that. Uh, you know, to kind of give the customers what they want. And I can do a mock-up in, you know, sure. a really good time on the phone and get to them kind of what they're picturing and then we can move on from there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. I know a lot of guys do that with, um, but we had talked a little bit about the toy photography and stuff and, and shooting, like, forced perspective things. And Right. Um, I know a lot of guys uh, 
do a lot of alterations and stuff with just just with basic phone apps and stuff as well. And some guys go the full on like Photoshop method and Lightroom and all these other crazy programs on their computers. Right. Well, they've made it so easy and available now. That, sure, uh, sure. You know. uh, no, it's cool. I didn't know if you had gotten into doing actual like visual visual art as far as like digital effects and stuff. Like some of the stuff you showed me with the uh, well, one of the movies you did had a lot of like CGI and stuff in it. So I didn't know if you had. Yeah, that no, that, that was me. Okay. Uh, um, do you, how do you feel as far as like working with, um, some stuff where like in, in that particular case, like you obviously start with a practical application and then they enhance that to add whatever they need to, to make that work. Um, have you had a I pretty think, good relationship with that or? Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, I think that, uh, a marriage of the two is, is ideal. Sure. Um, sure. We can do anything practically, you know, but uh, there's sure. just some things that uh, are, are too time consuming or too uh, too expensive to sure, do practically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and if it's done right with uh, the proper marriage of VFX and practical effects, I think that the, the combined the outcome is just incredible. Sure. Uh, the problem nowadays is that, uh, you know, it is a lot easier to do things in VFX, mm -hmm. uh, but it doesn't have it doesn't have that sand that a practical effect shot has. Right. Oh, 100%, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's the same way that you can watch, uh, let's, let's say, old Star Wars, and you can see where they've blacked out around the TIE Fighters or whatever, you know, where they, they put the image into the film. Right, right. And you know it's not real, but something about it is more uh, more physical, more, I don't know, you can connect with it yeah. better than you can CG. Yeah, so. yeah, it has like a heft. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we always uh, say, like, the prequels, the episodes one, two, and three of Star Wars look faker than any, like, more, they just look cartoony rather than the, that was practically shot. And it had that, you're right, that some earthly tone to it of practical uh, versus right, right. something in, like, the, like in Star Wars where it's like, man, this is just doesn't seem right. And it's all CG, you know, just... Sometimes it just doesn't work. Sure. Right. There's there's a connection. There's more of a it's a, a fleshy type of feel. It's mm -hmm. just, oh yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. And somehow I don't know how visually you can just lock on and identify with that better than you can uh, a lot of the, the CG stuff nowadays. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just to warn you, Marco also has a Star Wars podcast, so you don't want to get too. Oh, yeah, you say Star Wars. I'm a Star Wars fan. <laughs> oh, oh, cool, man. Yeah, I was like, you say Star Wars, I'm like, okay, Paul, you can take a break, man. We're, we we got this. <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan, but I don't. Uh, I'm I'm not a big talker about it. Like I just I, I watch yeah. the movies and I enjoy them, but I don't I don't go too far beyond that. So I try not to get involved in too many uh, conversations involving Star Wars, or Star yeah. Trek. It's just yeah, Absolutely. you're into It's kind of like one of those uh, don't ever talk about politics or uh, religion type deals. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You had that experience with the Star Wars fans. Uh... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Yeah, that's tough. I, I, I think, just can't help it. I think that's with any any sort of property that people really love. There's there's always that like passionate fan base. It's right. like you know a lot of horror stuff, but you know our experience with horror fans is that overall the discourse tends to be fairly civilized. Mm -hmm. As far as uh, you know, any of these new movies that come out, and half of the people are gonna go, you know, oh, the 2017 version of it is like the greatest movie ever, and then half people are gonna go, fuck that movie, that's that's a piece of shit. So, but there's not like a lot of infighting it's like well let me tell you why i don't like it and then let me tell you why i like it yeah there's, there's you're not gonna get death threats out of it <laughs> so but right, everybody wants to be right nowadays and uh oh sure man it's time to listen to anyone anymore yeah sure sure yeah but i think in in horror there's a good at least a good uh, footing of of people that have 
more of a, a nice attitude about it. So, well, out of uh, the uh, redone horror films, which ones would you guys say are the, the better in recent years? Uh, like for remake ones? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we both liked it. I know Marco, I think, liked it a little better than I did, but oh, I yeah. loved it. I, I, I yeah, did, I did it like it quite a bit, but like he was like, yeah. he was like, you know, more shot in the head with it than I was. So <laughs> yeah, I, I I liked it a lot. I, it just could a lot of uh, cool things about what they did this version mm -hmm. uh, versus you know the book versus the old the tart the, the TV movie and whatnot. But uh, me, I, I don't, I I tend to not. I don't like remakes. Like I like original. Like you know, just give me the original movie and I'm good with it. Right? Like there's no need to remake it. And at first, when it was announced, when it said, we're going to remake it, I was just dead set against it. I was like, I don't want to be a part of this. I just don't. I love the rich, whatever. Just why are you even trying to? Mm -hmm. And that's just like my own personal little little thing in my head. And then I saw the, the, the first trailer and I just couldn't help myself. I was like, wow, this looks amazing. <laughs> I have to go see it. And yeah, sure. I was I was all in. So that was a, a great job. Yeah. I still yeah, think yeah. the uh, the best remake of a horror classic is the. It's not even like super new anymore, but the Maniac with Elijah Wood. I don't know if you saw the remake or the or the original of the Maniac. I haven't mm. even seen the remake with Elijah Wood. Uh, I think I've seen yes. the remake, but not the original. Okay, so yeah, the original oh. is from 1980. It was like one of uh, Tom Savini's early movies, actually, of doing special okay. effects. Which I'm sure you know Tom Savini if you're a special effects guy. Oh yeah. But, yeah, yeah it was one of his uh, one of his earliest works was. Um, this movie, The Maniac, uh, I think it was 1980, and then mm -hmm. they did the remake with Elijah Wood playing the the main character. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, that that one is very highly regarded as probably one of the better or best uh, remakes of an old movie like that. But sure. Uh, as far as like the, the big name stuff, like you know, a lot of it's it's fine, but it's not it's not great or or anything earth shattering. You know, it's it's good. It's watchable for the most part. Mm. Uh, we even we covered the Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street remakes on one episode. Oh man, we didn't we didn't hate them. Yeah, but you know, that's just like there's there's flaws for sure. So yeah, yeah. And, I think and, I, and they you can't you can't trample on the magic of we grew up with too. So it's hard to separate that too, especially when you're coming into a property like Nightmare on Elm Street and you're like, we're going to remake it and retell this in a different direction. Sure, and in sure. the meantime, people who grow up with it, you're like, man, you're. I don't want to take away from the memories of watching that for the first time when we were a kid or whatever and just how, how impactful it was. And then we watched the remakes and we we're kind of like, yeah, it's good, but it's not, it didn't have that magic from back in the day. Sure. And well, sometimes you have to ask, Go ahead. I'm yeah, go ahead. No, I'm good. Good. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think one of the issues is that you're taking a character that has, uh, you know, the seed has been planted for 30 years. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, grown to love their their intricacies and all their little nuances and all this. And uh, you take that and you're trying to basically uh, say, you know, well, this is how he is now. And I right. think that's why people get such a uh, an impassioned kind of negative feel for everything because you know what made Freddy Krueger great like just bringing up the Nightmare on Elm Street mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know he was great in the first one and great in the second one but he really started coming into his own in the third uh, when yeah. he started introducing the humor and getting that kind of uh, that that uh, edge with his uh, his personality right. really came out in three. One and two were more serious. Three is when it started becoming kind of, he had the comedy right. infused in there. Yeah, and yeah. And uh, from then on, you know, it's just like when six came out and a lot of people weren't fans of that because it kind of took that funny Freddy out and brought dark Freddy back. Mm -hmm. 
Right. So, and it's that way with any character that's been around for 30 years. Oh, you yeah, know, when yeah. you rewrite it and change things, nobody's going to like that. Oh, I agree. Yeah, it's, yeah I think it, it's hard it's to more like make something just because you, better. I'm sorry. It's more like just because you can doesn't mean you should kind of. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And we all get excited and we all still go see it because we're hoping, you yeah, know, hope beyond of hope. Of course. Sure. But uh, that's I think Dawn of the Dead was one of the greatest remakes when they released that one mm, early okay. uh, 2000 something. Yeah, I think it was like 07 or something, 06, 07. Uh, yeah, it's hard to... to capture the lightning in a bottle you know so i think right. they're if it feels like they're not trying to cash in on an old an old property by just you know, throwing the the images and the name and stuff at people well and i they think they want to make a like real thing everything. then it's cool you, you know what i think the, like i said the maniac was the one i called out and i think if you take these old uh very low budget like b movies and and like sleazy stuff and then they remake it with better technology and better equipment and stuff now i think something like that is is better to be remade than these things that were already awesome when they were done the first time you know but see you have to find the balance there because sure, sure. when they were done the first time you didn't have that uh you didn't have that availability of being able to do whatever you wanted so you right. relied more on the story yes. and now they yeah. seem to be sacrificing the story for the visual mm-hmm there's a ton of films I've seen lately that are absolutely beautiful. You know, just looking at them, it's it's, it's amazing. But mm-hmm. the story oh, yeah. is garbage. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The uh, the art house horror has kind of come back a little bit on that end. Mm-hmm. To yeah. a lot well, of and not enough substance. Working in film and everything, you hear a lot, you know, oh, you know, nobody, Hollywood's dead. Nobody can write anything good anymore. Everything is just a remake. Of, and everything is a remake, but it's not dead. And there's plenty of writers out there. That, there's so many stories that you guys don't get to hear and, sure, sure. and see and all that. And the reason behind that is because it's, it's not about making things for the community or the... Uh, the people anymore you know right. you used to make a movie to tell a story mm-hmm. or uh for people to identify and it's not like that anymore now it's 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 basically paying playing uh craps right and right. you're putting all your money on whichever bet you know is going to pay off right right so yeah yeah well yeah and you get a lot of oh. people trying to follow trends and that's where you get the remake stuff because it's it's easier to take a chance on something that's already established and right and that and that's exactly what i'm saying you know you're putting all your money on red or whatever right because you know that people will go see that mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and that's the problem about being a fan is that uh, uh, like me personally i don't like the business side of movie making because right. i want to hear good stories i want to see good things right and just have that thing and i understand why a company would be like, look, let's remake Piranha because if we spend 10 million, we're going to make 20 million because horror sells and that's their thing. And they'll just put out a, you know, a C-level product. And it's like, for me, I'm like, damn, I wish the business aspect was a little bit less and the art was a little bit higher. And that's why I love the independent uh, field, you right? Know, the independent movie field is because they have that that passion yes they want to be successful and all that stuff but at the same time they are trying to think outside the box and see what can you know hold on and and uh and work you know yeah yeah. well and at the same time i see a lot of those uh that have great ideas but they're limiting themselves to their budgets oh of course of course and uh we hear that a lot yeah stories yeah so for sure hopefully someday soon there'll be a another uh golden age or something where you know you can finally meet in the middle and start putting out good good films again i, I feel like the 80s and early 90s were probably the last time that uh, they were just consistently putting out great film yeah and, well i think you know you're starting to see some of it coming back like a, a lot of this stuff um that even like bloomhouse does for not a ton mm-hmm. of money that ends up being pretty good and uh so i think there's there's somewhat of a resurgence of horror now whether it's 
through independent means or through the you know smaller theater circuit at least but mm. it's, it's still tough for sure because there's all the like the marketing and stuff that has to go into putting exactly. it into the theaters and mm-hmm. but uh well uh why don't we talk about some of the movies that you have been involved in actually and how you <laughs> okay how you got into these into these jobs um how did you end up finding your way into doing special effects for movies or tv shows um, or i almost hate to talk about it because i i I don't feel like I really earned it. Um, <laughs> okay. That's okay. So, uh, sometime around 2012, I believe, okay. um, that's, uh, you know, I, I'd always wanted to work in special effects. Um, and that was because of, you know, the films I watched growing up and everything. Just, it's weird. I don't connect with uh, reality the way that I can connect with films. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, emotionally, everything. It's just, there's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's more real to me. Um, I but, can relate to that. <laughs> so sometime around, uh, like I said, I always wanted to do that, uh, but I always assumed you had to go to school for it. Uh, so I could never afford the school, and it was one of those things where you're like, well, I'll save up, and uh, you know, you keep putting it off year after year after year, and uh, it just never happened. Afterwards, uh, you know, I think I was owning a restaurant. No, I'm sorry, that was earlier. Uh, let's see. Okay, let's say Face Off came out on television, the first season. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the guys was from Oklahoma, and I ended up hooking up with him and just kind of helping around the shop and, and doing things like that. Um, and, you know, we went and did a few conventions and this and that. And uh, I, I really, when, I, when I'm interested in something, I pay attention. And I can grab it and work with it and uh, retain it. And, uh, you know, I can, I can go real far with it. I'm one of those guys that can pick something up real quick. Right. Sure. Um, so doing this kind of stuff, you know, I started picking up on how to do practical effects, things like that. And then him and I separated. He went his way, I went my way. And uh, I was just kind of like, you know, well, maybe someday I'll do something with it. Uh, And there was a film that was being filmed in Oklahoma. It's called Army of Frankensteins. Uh, And I loved the concept, and I really wanted to be on it. But, you know, to be honest, I didn't know that much about doing anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, they had put a post out on Facebook one day asking if anybody had a particular type of glue for prosthetics or something, I can't recall. And I responded with, yeah, you know, I can do that. Uh, I'll bring you guys some glue. So I go to take the glue and they're like, oh, hey, can you do, you know, prosthetics and special effects and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, well, hell yes, I can, you know. I'm great at that stuff. Uh, Yeah, I've never done any of that at all. Well, you got to fake it till you make it, right? Exactly. So uh, <laughs> me and started working on this uh, this film and everything and, and finished that. Uh, and that came out, and I was really happy. I mean, it's a B-grade flick. I don't know if you guys have seen it or not. Uh, great, great B-film, but no, nothing. I, I, uh, I didn't get to see it, but I, I do want to eventually catch up with all these movies. But yeah. People that we've well, to, to break it down for people on the uh, that are listening, it's about uh, a, a mad doctor who conducts an experiment and basically sends uh, multiple Frankenstein different dimensions uh back to the civil war and the frankensteins help lincoln free the slaves and so <laughs> okay cool all right yeah i like yeah, I, uh, I actually played a, played a cat creature in that one too uh nice. so yeah well we didn't build a cat suit or anything so we ended up shaving my body and building uh. to it and i accidentally got set on fire and broke ribs and punctured my knee all kinds of fun stuff <laughs> wow it's a is this anyway. paying dues? Am I paying these dues yet? <laughs> oh, my God. So many dues on that film. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, after that, I just kept working, and I've never really marketed myself or anything like that. I would just post stuff on Facebook. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, a company by the name of Mel got a hold of me, uh, uh, and this is with uh, Alan Pone and uh, Louis Lazara, like 
and uh, you know they did Terminator and all this stuff, mm-hmm. um, a lot of big films. Okay. And they get a hold of me and wanted to know if I would do IMAX for them. Wanted to do a demo IMAX, uh, which was kind of a big deal because that's one of the things where you have to pay your dues as an artist. Kind of sure. Years, and I'd been doing it at this point for about two years. And uh, you know these are guys on big films asking me if I wanted to come to. And I'd done Army of Frankenstein. That's it. Sure. So I'm like yeah. yeah. So yeah. I went out to LA in 2015 and did a thing. Uh, did a demo for them and uh, hung out with Matt Winston. Did a live feed with him and they did showed my creatures and stuff on the uh, the live feed and wow. etc. And then after that, I've just done you know various films since. Um, and I still to this day, it's just kind of I, I work by word of mouth, no marketing, right. no anything like that. And uh, sure, I stick to small films and uh, I do a commercial next week, I think. And that's basically it. But you know, I feel like I didn't really pay my dues; it just kind of all fell in my lap. Yeah, that's all right. And I'm yeah, thankful for this everything. Is the one everyone. Case, yeah, it's the one case where you answered a, you know, an ad or or a, a question on social media and actually led to something different. You know, something yeah, good. Yeah. Actually, you know what it is. Because, uh, I, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I think it's I, I'm very resourceful and I have mm-hmm. a, a critical thinking skill. Right. So I can go in and make things work and do things that uh, a lot of other people are like, oh well, they didn't teach us that in school. Yeah. So sure, sure, kind of sure, sure. Background. Right. No, it's uh, I think if you get the opportunity and you do a good job, then obviously that helps too. I think if you want to call it luck or just you know that you picked it up fast and kind of worked hard and paid attention and tried to make sure that it was good, then maybe it wasn't as much luck as a little bit of skill too. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I always try to put my all into it and uh, never stop learning. Sure. So. Right. Right. Exactly. Perfect. How um, how did you end up with the, uh, you, you had kind of told me briefly that you had just kind of come in to fill in a little bit when you did the head game. Um, uh, you didn't do the whole weird. movie, but... Yeah. Uh, so I got a phone call one day from somebody that asked if I could fly out the next day to work on the film. Uh, one of the casting producers around Oklahoma had actually uh, suggested me. Okay. They wanted to know if I could fly out the next day, and I said, uh, yeah, you know, I guess I could do that. Um and I asked them what they needed exactly. And they're like, oh, well, you know, just a few cuts and bruises here and there, you know, uh, nothing too hard. So I'm like, yeah, you know, that sounds great. I'll fly to Illinois uh, and I'll do, you know, simple makeup, make some money and come home. So I get out there and uh, it turns out that the, the previous team had moved on uh, uh, and I was taking their place solo. <laughs> um, and they needed uh, multiple lacerations, impalements, uh, beheading. Uh, yeah, you know, a few things different than bruises and scratches. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and basically, you know, they're like, well, well, you can use whatever the last team left. And uh, I think they left like powdered blood and Vaseline and all kinds of <laughs> stuff. That, uh, yeah, you know, you're like, thanks. Oh. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, a lot of it was just kind of uh, I had to put together what I could from the local hobby stores and uh, Walmart, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, to make the film work. Sure. And yeah. it, it turned out great. And they called me back to other films and yeah well in in your your one effect was kind of like the uh the star of the movie with the acid melting on the face it's like the oh one, that's the one yeah, thing I that i've that heard one. people say that have watched it they're like that they said you know their favorite uh, thing that happened in the movie was that the film is such a mixture of effects from the old team and myself sure um so you know some of the stuff you see is mine some of it is not mine right um, yeah, that was one that I did that I was, I was happy with. It was just a simple, fun, quick effect that we did. Okay. Uh, that was Edward that I did that one on. He's he's done a lot of great stuff in film, too. Mm-hmm. And he's a great guy to work with. So, yeah, we had a lot of fun. 
doing that particular film. I know Chris talked about it a little bit. Uh, we filmed it a crazy warehouse, and it was just right insane out there. And that was uh, that, that has to be one of the favorite films I've ever worked on. Sure, life. sure. Yeah, well, when we talked to Chris. That was one thing I brought up. I'm all, hey, um, it's it's like great all this stuff, but the face melting scene, man. That I I don't know. It just made like we were watching just like stuff like that where you, the least expecting. And it was like, wow. And it was done so well. I was like, that is amazing. And you find yourself just like grinning watching the movie because of the, of how it worked. Sure. I think the setup for that was a very short time too, like under half an hour. Right. So I had to oh, work real cool. fast and just off the cuff and was, it came out. Was yeah. It, uh, was it just like Elka Seltzer that you picked up at Walmart? Cause they didn't leave any um, stuff behind. There was a couple different scenes there. Uh, there was the one where he initially pulled it out of his head. Right. Uh, and then there was the bleed out and all that stuff. Um, yeah, but there was a mixture of, you know, silicone. There's a silicone prosthetic for the pull out originally. Um, and then, yeah, for the, uh, the just the initial burn, you know, some, mm-hmm. some bicarbonate type stuff and right. a little blood and goo mixed in. And oh, then yeah. get, the, the, the eye melting out was just a happy accident of the... Uh, the silicone shifting oh, in nice. the right position, right as uh, it was bubbling out. Yeah, so that was I was real happy with that. <laughs> oh wow, perfect. Uh, no, that was cool. I, I I think that we both we both dug the movie, and then you know Chris is just a great yeah. guy anyway, so he was fun to talk to, and he um, he's. He's still friends with me on Facebook and Instagram. He likes my pictures all the time. So he's, no, a good he's guy. still around. A great guy. I've worked with a lot of people, and I love Chris to death. He's, oh yeah, he's yeah. Genuinely a good guy. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, when he gets another project going, we'll we'll have him come back on and talk to him some more. That'd be awesome. Oh, of but, course. Uh, so, what about uh, the future of what kind of stuff you hope to be working on? Or I know uh, there was one movie that you had done that is actually not out yet. Mm-hmm the uh, army of one movie oh yes uh, um how was that, that movie really, go? that was uh actually through the same one of the same producers that did head game okay which is how i thought i'd do that one okay um that was a lot of fun you know we got to work with um uh, a, a lot of different people a lot of the same people too uh mm-hmm. but a lot of new actors um hold on just a sec um like uh let's see ellen holman i believe it's one of them matt passmore uh matt just finished uh jigsaw yeah yeah he was like the main guy and uh yeah jigsaw. and he was a great guy um stephen dunlevy this guy stephen dunlevy's amazing uh if you guys ever get the chance to, to interview him I, I highly suggest you take it this guy's like a, a real life gi joe like he's mm. just amazing like everything he did everything from producing to acting to stunts to, and uh there'd be parts yeah, yeah, where yeah. you know we'd be filming on land and then the next uh shot that they were going to do is going to be in water and this guy would like literally rip his clothes off like the old adidas like yeah, yeah. he'd already have on like you know like a buoy knife strapped to his leg and like you know underwater gear and all this stuff and we were just like holy shit this guy's incredible <laughs> uh, actually yeah. that's uh, out of his way yeah he's amazing and that, that's actually ellen's husband okay. uh, they both did uh i want to say spartacus or something together too uh but man they're just they're just great people to work with uh who else was on that one? Kendra Corelli. Uh, she was amazing. She played one of the uh, love bots in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Okay. Uh, oh. Cameron Bowen okay. was on that. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff. He's in Seabiscuit and all that other stuff. Wrist cutters. and. Uh, but anyways, yeah, just the people you got to meet on that film were phenomenal. I don't, I don't think there was a day yeah. on that film when I was upset. Sure. So. Now, was that, you? did you do special effects and makeup and 
I did. I know it's not a horror movie, but I'm sure there's probably still some some good violence. No, it's uh, an action film. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, there's horror element to it. You know, anytime someone gets uh, uh, something pushed through them or shot or anything sure, sure. like that. I'm that's, a, uh, and that's basically what it was, just simple deaths like that. So I'm an action movie fan too, so I definitely want, oh, yeah, I want to check that one out. So I would assume when you mentioned Robocop. That's yeah. A, <laughs> yeah. And uh, that one says that it's actually not out yet. So we'll July 4th, I believe, is the tentative, like the scheduled release date. Oh, okay. Perfect. So, which I'll, yeah, that'd be amazing. Uh, so what do you have coming up in the future? I know you kind of hinted at a, uh, a movie that you've been working on for a couple of years, or I don't know if you have any other, you mentioned a commercial and stuff. Um, anything? Yeah, I've got a bunch of films right now that are kind of sitting on the desk. You okay. know, uh, I'm waiting for more info. Uh, obviously, I can't talk too much about them. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, sure. Different, different creature features, things like that. So we'll just kind of see if any of that flies. Sure. Um, like I said, I, I moved back uh, to Oklahoma where I'm at currently uh, to help mm-hmm. my family out with uh, certain things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. right now it's not so much about me chasing down work in film, mm-hmm. uh, just so much as I'm here helping and trying to get things uh, back in order for everybody. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's important, right? Right, exactly. Uh, what um, What are... One, one of the things that we wanted to have you come on to the show was to talk about some of the movies that you had sort of grown up with and stuff that really I guess sort of inspired you to get into special effects work or things that you really grew up loving and uh, you sent me a list of a whole bunch of horror movies and Mm -hmm. we kind of uh, whittled it down to a couple of interesting picks but what were some of the other movies uh, whether you know horror or non-horror stuff that you grew up and you were like kind of blown away by the way that they did special effects and and makeup work and stuff in that stuff that Man. inspired you to get into it later on um well there, there's very few i mean i whittled down the ones that really inspired me uh mm-hmm. makeup wise and everything to want to get into it um i used to grow up I, I spent a lot of my time growing up with this kid named brandon and he was a horror junkie and sure. that's where i ended up watching a lot of that stuff and getting into it um man some of the effects from when i was a kid that i loved uh well poltergeist would be one of them um uh the way that they did the ghost over the top of the stairs right. yeah oh man that i remember that i loved that absolutely uh it's the same type of thing with ghostbusters the way that they imposed those ghosts oh yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah um but you know and then i grew up with a lot of creature films like ghoulies and uh what else was there back then critters mm-hmm. uh and things like that really and that's that's what i remember loving about films mm-hmm. Which goes back to what we were discussing earlier. It's it's kind of been taken away, right? Because uh, they do all that with CG now, and it is it's cheaper and easier, but it, it just doesn't have that. Yeah, sure. Um, so you know, and another one would be Labyrinth. You know, a lot of old Jim Henson sure. stuff. Um, just those the the way that they did things back then, uh, even with Star Wars again, right? Uh, mm-hmm. with the puppets and the way that they build the miniatures and just do all the stuff. It that was incredible to me, sure. and that's yeah. what I wanted to get into. And uh, unfortunately, I was just, you know, 30 years too late. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, not just you. It's just the whole industry. Yeah, just changed. Exactly. Right. It's progressed yeah. beyond a point of, of yeah. anything like that anymore. So. Yeah. Right. I right. hear you, man. Yeah. There's definitely not as much of the uh, big grand scale costuming and puppeteering and all that kind of stuff like you see in the Jim Henson movies or. Right. Uh, oh, I couldn't even imagine trying to do a film like one of those nowadays. The uh, price would no. be outrageous. Yeah, for sure. And even like, I think some of the creature movies, 
there's been an attempt lately to kind of bring back some of the nostalgic ways of doing things and right and the people want that yeah you know, yeah they're trying to meet that need it's just yeah i don't know i'm not feeling it yet right mm-hmm. yeah there's been some it's attempt not there yeah to yeah. do it but yeah for sure uh it's it's easier and you know those old uh old monster movies you're talking marco's language there that's like his thing right and that's you oh know, yeah. my film that I've been working on is uh, a throwback to that, a throwback to kind of the labyrinth days, actually, oh, nice. where everything oh, okay. is a practical creature, and you know it's in a fantasy world, uh, and everything is just built sets, no CG, not, none of that garbage, all old school. Yeah, so you know the problem with that is I have to find puppeteers, I have to find you know yeah all this stuff that's kind of not matte painters, all these things that have kind of faded out and are not available anymore. Sure. Yeah. What's um. The um, old stop motion animation, uh, you know, with the little puppets and, and uh, mm-hmm. God, I, I, what is it, Early Man or something like that, 10,000 Beasts or something like that that just came out that it's like a, uh, you know, it's like claymation kind of stuff. That stuff still has an art form that has not changed. And right. people appreciate it so much that that right there is like the only thing in cinema that I can think of that has a, a momentum, a pro, you know, like a progressive momentum moving forward to like, keep it as is keep it raw keep it with the skeletons moving one frame at a time and i like that i appreciate that so much that um you know i I go support it any way i can but um just like when we get into our our selection of movies here you know we'll see some practical effects that you go man how cheesy that looks but god but so effective at the same time right right you uh, know that you just kind of like i don't know you just kind of get giddy with it man yeah what was peter jackson's horror film he did uh Dead Alive. Was that the one? With just the horrible effects yeah. and the weird mutant baby and Yeah, Dead Alive. <laughs> yeah, and it's awful. One of my favorite so movies good. of all time. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, that was, it's uh, fantastic. I, saw, I had the pleasure of seeing the Harryhausen exhibit recently. Yeah. All of the old uh, armatures and everything. And it, it's weird, you know, because uh, I had like I guess an emotional connection to it or something. I actually yes. like sobbing and tearing. It, and I'm that. telling you, you get you, you get very attached and very nostalgic about it and then um, that's why, like us, we buy things. We buy the toys. We buy the, you know, DVDs when they're available. It's because we don't want to just kind of like watch it go. Oh, that was good, and then leave it. We actually appreciate a, you know, mm-hmm. a, if you will, a historical value of it. Like, man, th- this is the movie that before computers, this is what they did, and look how effective it is when they had to depend on lighting and acting and you know, actual good storytelling where. Maybe the monster doesn't look as good, but but look how effective it was, you know. Right. Well, the story the would draw you in. Yes. You know, it's something yeah. you could watch over and over, and you could you would imagine yourself being, you know, the hero or part of the, the crew. Yeah. Or, and it's not like that anymore. They, right, they put right. some good stuff no. out, but you know, you watch it and you're like, okay, I'm done. What uh, have have well, you the, have you seen uh, any, yeah. uh, anything recently that you really liked, horror or non-horror wise? Uh, I know you and I had uh, mentioned in passing that we both really like Dave made a maze. I did. I liked that movie a lot and the concept is phenomenal. Right. And that's I think uh, I think that's basically all practical stuff in there too. They they built yeah. all that shit. Yeah. I thought is, I thought it was great. Uh, that was outrageous. one movie I watched and I wish they'd had just a, a little larger of a budget to work with right. on that one. But uh, no, I really enjoyed it. Uh, my son enjoyed it. Sure. Um, if I had to say anything that I've watched recently, and it's not a new film, uh, I watched Stitches the Clown, and I really mm-hmm. liked that. Uh, it was kind of a throwback to 80s horror. Right. Um, let's see. I, I mean, I've seen what I've watched recently that was good. I'm, I've watched a lot of the Marvel films recently, and those those are great to bring up. Um, sure. Huge budgets, you know, tons of CGI. 
Uh, there's a mix of practical in there as well, but you know, they're not something I'm going to sit down and just be like, oh, I can watch this over and over. Right. And I don't know why, because the stories aren't bad. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I guess I just don't connect with them in that way. It's. Yeah, that's kind of how I am. Like, yeah. I, I'm kind of one and done, or maybe two and done. I don't yeah. watch them over and over again. And they're not bad. Yes. Yeah, no, no. No, I, they're I they're really guys. good and they're really fun. I think they're more fun than anything. Like you go in there, man, that was just cool, and then you just kind of move on with your life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, what I mean, it's, like I said, it's not like Star Wars where like, okay, now I got to analyze every every detail. But um, but Marvel movies, yeah, they they they've turned into just epic shots mm -hmm. now instead of really story it's epic shot so let's get this twirling shot of all the heroes looking in the sky to the left mm -hmm. okay now let's get one looking to the right and it's like all right next movie and that's uh, that's what i'm starting to get i'm getting fatigued with that kind of you know well, movie making with, the new with star that yeah yeah it could be you know i mean beautiful films i've ever seen but you know the yeah. story content is just way off i hear you no, I, I exactly like they're sacrificing one to to appease the other, and right, so right. like come on, let's get down to, you know, dirt and right. you know little machines. Let's do that. Robots, more robots. Sure, sure. Do you like? Uh, I know you you had said before that you like more science fiction than horror. Really, is is right. more of the the thing that you mm -hmm. follow a lot. Um, do you um, still find that you have an interest in some of the horror stuff that is coming around or at least oh i still watch it absolutely sure sure um i just i haven't really do you the like stuff that's horror... um a little bit more violent or do you like more artistic stuff or oh absolutely more violent oh okay but you know but like i said there has to be a uh balance in everything sure. yeah, yeah uh and there's the ones that are, are exceptionally violent nowadays i mean that's like let's take the saw franchise right mm -hmm. those movies are awesome to watch for the first time and then yeah. never again no reason right and right. it's just yeah. the kills the kills are fun to see oh yeah yeah i agree but yeah they don't no... have a great rewatchability because the shock is is gone exactly and the story's not there you're just like oh who cares so um man i can't think of any just recent great horror obviously i love the cabin in the woods right. um but you know there's a lot of throwback to old school filmmaking on that too uh which is why i love that so much yeah yeah and i mean that one has a little bit of a almost science fictiony element too with the whole yeah people are watching what everyone's doing and it's all set up and stuff it does uh no it's okay you don't have to think of anything on the spot i was just curious if anything had jumped out <laughs> at <you>. so uh <laughs> so the the movies that we did pick out off of your list you had mentioned mm -hmm. one of them was labyrinth correct and the other one that we picked out was fright night mm -hmm. um and I, I had kind of lobbied more for Fright Night myself because I know you guys were very familiar with the movie and I had never actually seen it before. Right. So I thought that would be kind of fun to... But you totally enjoy it, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I actually watched it with my kid, which I know that's another thing we've talked about offline, too, is uh, that we both have uh, kids around the same age. So mm -hmm. um, I've been showing him all kinds of stuff. But, yeah, he, he liked it quite a bit. He was, he was really into it. Yeah, I've watched a lot of uh, films from nowadays... Uh, with my son, mm -hmm. uh, and I've watched a lot of films that I loved growing up with my son, and he, he you know, connects with the same films that I connected with. Sure. sure. And I don't yeah. know if that's just because, you know, it's a dad-son thing, or, you know, he genuinely is just like, wow, these are so much better. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that's just how he flocks to it, so. Yeah, I think it's a combination it, it, of both, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely a combination of both, and it starts that way, too. Absolutely. But, yeah, no, I, I liked it quite a bit, and I had even said that with Labyrinth, I hadn't seen it in so long, it was almost like watching it for the first time again. Yep. So, mm -hmm. 
that was a lot of fun for me as well. That that would probably be the more influential film in my life as far as me wanting to do stuff. Just right, as, right. You know, I mean, I mean, you you get every element of you know filmmaking in there. I mean, you've got your practical, you've got your story, you've got just mm-hmm. an amazing uh, fantasy world sure. set up. Uh, I mean, everything in that film is amazing. Oh yeah, Jennifer yeah. Connelly, and uh, it all plays out well. You know, yeah, right. That, uh, yeah. There's no time when you look at something like, oh, that guy's acting through me out, or you know, oh, that that weird CG flare kind of doesn't fit in there. There's there's just no point where you're like, oh, that doesn't. Right. The I feel perfect. Yeah, I feel like that was a that kind of movie and those kind of type of movies where it's like, like they didn't really, they're not vain. You know what I mean? Like they don't care about the glamour behind a movie because you know there's some there's some dark themes in that movie and there's some dark themes that you know are just imagery and stuff like that. But they just kind of went on there to, again, create a fantasy world. And I'm sure we'll get into this. Yeah, man. And and like I said, it wasn't all vain. It wasn't uh, what pisses me off today is that uh, an actress or an actor comes out and they're worried about their perfume, their clothing line and their image and their name rather than acting good. Right. And that, and back in the '80s and stuff, it just didn't show, or or it wasn't at the forefront where we noticed. Then I guess. Right, right. Well, you still tried to kind of keep certain things behind closed doors back then. You know, everything wasn't the way that it is now. Yeah, sure. So I mean, it was like that back in. If you go back to the, you know, the silver screen and everything like that in the early days of film, you know, they all had their vices too. Mm-hmm. But it right. was something that you that people put out. Yeah, yeah. Right. You enjoyed it for what it was, and then you didn't try to dive into their lives. And, and I feel like that ruins a lot of things nowadays for actors it and does. films also. Yeah, it takes it away does. some of the yep. the mystery, but it's also good because it it makes the people a little bit closer so you can actually kind of right and there are some things that should be exposed you know obviously you know, uh some of the recent things in hollywood that have gone down right uh it shouldn't have happened you know it's good that things like that can come to life mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah of course right right so uh before we talk too much about either one of the movies <laughs> i know why don't we now take a well we'll take a break here and then okay. we'll come back and We'll, I think maybe we'll discuss uh, Fright Night first because it seems like Labyrinth will probably be the more in-depth one. Okay. Cool. And uh, if we talk about that one first, then we might be burned out and not give Fright Night its fair <laughs> shake. So. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we'll come back and we'll have a little discussion about the movie Fright Night.
Okay, we are back, and we're going to discuss the movie Fright Night from 1985. Uh, this one was, like we had said before, it was something that I know both of you guys were pretty familiar with, and I had never seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something that I, I knew enough about, like I know this movie's pretty classic, and a lot of podcasts I listen to have covered it. And I, I you know, knew the basic story, but hadn't seen to know all the details, so... I know I was kind of um, I was surprised by some of the stuff that I found in the movie that I didn't expect from a vampire movie. But uh, why don't we start with with you, Nate? Uh, what was it about this movie that kind of uh, made you pick it out of all the other movies to put it on the list of things to suggest? You know, it's weird. Um, you know, obviously growing up, especially around that time, there were a lot of Stephen King films out. Uh, you know, like Silver Bullet, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's just like a cool element to Fright Night that I just really connected with. Kind of the same with uh, Lost Boys. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. something cool about it. And uh, I like that about Fright Night. I liked Chris Sarandon. I liked his character. I liked how cool he was. Yeah, he makes an awesome uh, vampire. Yeah, he really did. Um, and I think that's just kind of where that and, uh, you know, Charlie, obviously, being the kind of, uh, the, the, you're not your typical hero. Right. Um, but still right. rising to the occasion. I think it's just more identifiable. Um, and I think that's kind of what I, I, I clicked in on that one. Right. Uh, plus, I really enjoyed the story. Yeah, it was one of the earlier movies of them taking a kid who was a, a fan of horror and then having to use his knowledge of horror to to kind of fight off the, the threat of, against him. I guess kind of one of the earlier meta movies that I know of in horror. So I think that was kind of uh, a cool element to it. That right, and getting to hook up with like the... Hunter, uh, yeah. Exactly, the old vampire host where he's kind of the sham, you know, but they all rise to the occasion. That, that was kind of a cool thing. And they did that through multiple movies mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in the 80s, actually. Okay. Uh, and that was always cool. They did it in Gremlins 2 also. Right. Uh, and then, yes. you know, there's one with Elvira where that was a thing and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, right. but... The movie's just great. It's fun to watch. Yeah, right. And it has some cool uh, effects that I wasn't even expecting to see in a vampire movie. Oh, yeah. Like a whole right. body melting. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, man. That um, the, the the timing of this movie is set in the 80s, of course, and it's when you're at the peak of John Hughes movies, right? So you, lot, you had a lot of that uh, teenage angst and teenage problems and whatnot, which this movie did put a lot into it, right? So that's why... I think um, we can relate to it too, especially growing up. You know, um, watching this movie, you're like, "This is this is cool because you know this guy's just going off his own business, and you know he's a huge horror fan, and he's obviously um, w- what's the guy's name? Uh, is it Peter Vincent? Frank Vincent? Peter Vincent? Uh, yeah, Peter. Pe- thank you. Peter Vincent is his like his Elvira character, his his mm-hmm. uh, his horror hero, you know, and he just like stops everything and watches him, mm-hmm. and um, of course, you know, he's got his girlfriend it's got his his friends and his high school stuff and there's there's mentions throughout the film of like you know um especially with his best friend uh evil ed which he also always gets you know beat up and bullied for probably being you know a a different weirdo kind of you know kid growing up so there's a lot of those those issues you know um, yeah i think it's one of those things that it did address you know it was like what would happen yes would it be so bad if you were a vampire right right and And that's the the key word yeah and like i'm sitting there going man just why don't he offer you to be a vampire just do it man come on you know because because we know as a viewer like it isn't that bad you know (laughs) you know (laughs) but but i think that's why fright night has that appeal it's because it, it, it does deal with a lot of you know teenage issues Right. And it's like a, the John Hughes of horror movie. You know, it's a John Hughes 
influential horror movies too. Right, and that goes back and, to something that I've talked about with you guys previously, is that, you know, I feel like humor is, is kind of a, yes. an integral part to horror because it, it balances it out. Mm-hmm. It yes. helps reset you for that next scare, or it helps to relax you before, you know, that intense moment. Or, right, right, right. Yeah, the little bit of levity pays off well in this mm-hmm. movie. And uh, I liked that um, he, uh, you know, he, he also had this thing that he was so into that it was like a distraction to him from even his own girlfriend. Because I think that's, right. like, that's like the sign of the true nerd is like that you're... <laughs> Your girlfriend's like, okay, I'm ready to have sex, and you're like, but wait, there's, I'm, I'm distracted by this other thing. Star Wars just came on. Yeah. Give me two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm almost, in, I'm embarrassed to say that you know I've actually been in situations like this. So. <laughs> That's okay, I have, I have two. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, it's not not a problem. Uh, yeah, I, I loved Chris Sarandon as the vampire. His mannerism and everything was perfect for it. Uh, he, yeah. he plays a much better vampire than a police detective in Child's Play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can't say anything yeah. about his uh, performance in Princess Bride, is it? No, no. Prince Humperdinck, that's a solid yeah. performance. Yeah, he plays a better bad guy, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, but no, he was great, and then he's got his uh, his assistant that's the the live-in carpenter with the bad haircut. Right, right. right. And they, they all have the uh, the never-ending collection of Cosby sweaters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and there were so many clocks in the house. I was like, man, there's a lot of awesome cuckoo clocks. I kind of want one. Except <laughs> the, the, only, the only problem is you can't silence a cuckoo clock, and it would never work in this house. Ugh. It would definitely yeah. be waking people up in the middle of the night. The one thing um this movie did great too was uh and i think i mentioned this in our chats um you know leading up to the podcast was like i love how fright night took in all of the um the the vampire stories of the you know the creatures of the night so you had wolves you had bats you had the demon monster you had uh you know of course the the sunlight exposing they took all those elements it wasn't just a straight oh my neighbor's a vampire i'm gonna you know drive a wooden stake through his heart um, right. It, which the wooden stake thing, I just uh, again in the '80s it was it was prevalent. Nowadays, vampire movies they don't really touch on it as much as like back in the day where it was like, yeah, a wooden stake through the heart. Let's you know do that. You know, a cross on the forehead. Um, but the creatures of the night vampires that was like cool to. I remember watching as a kid, being like, there's in. Of course, I didn't put two and two together when I was little. Little. It was more like you know this movie had everything. Had like werewolves in it and zombies and i just thought that you know um now that when i rewatched it i was older as i understood the story more but having different creatures in the film uh was was great was fantastic you know right. oh i agree totally it, it it opened it up to uh you know like what's gonna happen next right mm-hmm. which i feel like you don't get a lot nowadays you know you kind of can pretty much predict how a film is gonna play out nowadays Sure. Yeah. So it's it, it is odd, like you said, that you had a vampire movie that was sticking with lore, but they would turn into wolves. Yeah. yeah. So, I know. Yeah, that, that was, was cool. Um, I I got a little bit of a chuckle at the beginning when the the neighbor moves in, and uh, I think it was Charlie's talking to his mom. She's like, "Oh, the you know the guy's moving in. I heard he's good looking and whatever." And then he's like, "Oh yeah, there's this guy moving in with them." And she's like, "Oh great, he's probably another gay guy." Or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. She makes mention something like, like, and I was of like, oh, course, you know, good looking guy. Yeah. I know, poor I Charlie's think, mom. <laughs> I think we can all agree that the worst part of the film was uh, Amy's weird bat smile. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. 
that, that's the only thing that, you know, ever since I was a kid, I was just like, God, they couldn't they have done something different. And today I respect it. I completely respect oh, of it. Course. I still look at it and I'm like, eh. Yeah. Well, you yeah. got to have the, the poster has to come in somehow. Right. And it's, and it's that, it's that look, you know, that her. Right. Her. And then I was, I always, um, every time I see that, I always reference uh, Army Darkness, you know, he goes, you used to love me. He goes, baby, you got real ugly. You oh, know, yeah. that's that. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's something they're doing right. The new uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead show, I think, is Oh, oh my God. It, yes. Hands down. Yeah. Sam Raimi's always had kind of a touch for keeping things real that way. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I think they're, they're doing really well with that show. Nice. Uh, was there anything that, uh, and I know you had kind of mentioned the one effect. Was there any other, like, things that you could say you didn't like about this movie? Stuff that uh, maybe stood out as kind of lacking or... Um, honestly, characters to, me- like or whatever. to memory, no, I, I, I liked it all. Um, right. There's nothing horrible about the film. I didn't like that they remade it and did a horrible job. Uh, I think that <laughs> oh, I mean, it, God, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't awful, but yeah, it wasn't. Let's see. They did make a part two in 1988. Um, yeah. And that yes, had, there is a part. Know, yeah. Peter Vincent and Charlie Brewster in it again. And, uh, it just it didn't have the same feel though to it, you know. Right. Which was rare back then for there to be such a short amount of time, and um, they didn't really they didn't really separate movies back then the way they did now. So it, it should have clicked, and it just didn't to me. Sure, sure. But I can't really complain about the initial one. I loved all the effects. I loved the story. Right. Uh, and again, it could just be that whole you know youthful kind of me making things great in my head. That yeah. <laughs> I've gone back and watched a lot of stuff that I thought was just incredible, and I was way wrong. Right. Sure. <laughs> it does happen. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Sure. Um, yeah, I was kind of fearing that too when you guys mentioned Fright Night and I, I did the fist pump. I was like, yes, Fright Night. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go watch it. But then in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, it's been a while since I've seen it. And I remember a lot of, especially like the last 30 minutes, I remember it almost by heart. And but I can't remember if it was slow getting into the whole vampire thing and then by rewatching it i had a great time rewatching it of course um but the one thing that it's like i love and hate my favorite part of the film or my yeah my favorite part of the film is evil ed's death and the worst part of the film is evil ed himself <laughs> so <laughs> uh, yeah. you know what i mean uh, yeah he and it wasn't as annoying as i remembered him being right like or you know he he was more annoying than I remembered him being. Yeah. I always thought like you know he was the he was the you know the the D and D kid that he would reference you know go to him and stuff. And then as I was rewatching, I go you know what he's he, he's like annoying as shit. I don't like him at all. You yeah. Know? Right. Right. But but see, it's always great when a character can affect you that way because yeah, I mean, that, sure. Proficiently conveying you know the character they're supposed to be. That's uh, when I watch a film and I just hate somebody that I want to fight them in the parking lot. <laughs> you know, once I can get over that anger, I'm like, man, they yeah. did a damn job to make that <laughs> no, kind of emotion. Yeah, exactly. When when Evil Ed was a vampire, he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, I love mm-hmm. all of it. All this when he turned into a vampire. And of course, his death scene, I actually was like, I felt sorry for him. I mean, I felt sorry, especially for, you know, Peter Vincent. He had to watch the kid die. And it's like his mm-hmm. face. And it was that detransformation of the, like, the whimpering puppy. Like, yeah, it was just like great but they the whole movie did focus on that a little too long like his whole that whole scene of him dying and and all that stuff it was it was like film stopped and we just kind of transformed right into this creature's death you know the whimpering puppy into you know the bat creature or the wolf half human creature into evil ed and then and then 
how he died and stuff and then you know of course his peter vincent's reaction and and then it went right back into the house of uh you know the main characters and stuff so it it, it slowed down just a little just concentrate on that too much like the pacing but i think but again i would have never taken that out i love that scene that scene right very emotional plus they showed him basically naked too so yeah that's always a bonus <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, I mean, think that was their what? tagline originally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bonus. We have a teenage girl hooking up with an older man and a naked teenage boy. <laughs> um, speaking of that, that was really my only uh, complaint with the movie was I felt like they spent too long on the romancing Amy stuff between... Oh, uh, yeah. I, I forget what the vampire's name was, what Chris Randon's character's name was. Uh, oh, man, I can't remember. Um, uh, well, whatever his name was, but... Uh, Jerry. Jerry Dandy. Yes, Jerry, yeah. I, I think I, that was the part where it felt like it started to drag to me, and I think it was also because of where it was in the movie, where it was like it was leading up to the, the big, you know, crazy 30-minute finale of everything going off the right. rails and bodies melting and all that shit. Right. They went to a transformations, disco. but yeah, then it like goes to this whole like kind of slow, drawn out romance scene that went on for a few minutes too long. Yeah, and I was just like, oh my god, this is like taking forever to get past. I like I literally almost fast forwarded for like two minutes. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> but it was also late, and I was trying to like I was trying to like crunch watch it. So right, and right. I know I was watching it with my son too, and I know like he gets bored with all that shit. So yeah, this is what happens. They dance, they touch, yeah, and they go back. He starts checking his Snapchat and shit, and I'm like, "All right, well, come on. oh yeah, you know, well you can scene jump nowadays. Back in the day, you had to, to fast forward in the VCR. And the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but he doesn't quite have to start. suffer the way we did. No, I know. all the uh, the effects were great though. I loved the uh, the the detransformation thing. The way when he, he comes down on the floor and it's almost making like human movements to scamper mm -hmm. across the floor but it's still the wolf body right right and stuff like that just looks so cool uh the melting thing i keep referencing and some of the the other like just weird effects and stuff and then uh the one that i was laughing about when he actually bites amy he goes through all this process to expose her neck and then he just bites her on the shoulder anyways and i was like what the fuck? <laughs> i was like man you went through all that to expose her neck and then you just bit her shoulder anyway so i don't know what that was all about but uh Theatric. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those damn vampires and their flourishes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I think she ended up uh, in reality. I think that uh, who was it? It's Amanda Pierce. I think she is a an outspoken lesbian now. Or maybe he kind of sensed the future and was like, "Should I do this?" Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't want her to blog about me in the future. Right. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it's bad enough that she was supposed to be like 16, and he was. I don't know, I guess an ageless vampire. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. But they always kind of just overlooked that stuff back in the 80s movies. They were like, he's 30, she's 15. That's okay. Right. It's, it's all right, because she smokes, so that makes her older. There's Depends a breakdown on, what state, on uh, Back to the Future, where, where they're talking about, you know, nobody ever mentions why Marty hangs out with an 80-year-old disgraced... Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. And, like, why is that his best friend? That's weird, but nobody ever mentions yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah, and nowadays they would use that against them. You know, if they, if exactly. they remade uh, or they, yeah, they'd be like, you know, Biff would be like, dude, you're you're you know, what's going on over there at the Brown, uh, you know, estate? <laughs> what's really going on, Marty? And yeah, that, today's they would actually put that in there. Sure. I yeah. knew they would. I know. They would. <laughs> so, uh, what were some of I guess you know your favorite 
parts what were the the you know we've talked about the good effects and whatever but um what is it about this movie that makes it uh a, a top tier movie like even on imdb it's highly rated and uh that's pretty rare for a horror movie from the 80s mm-hmm. you know like i said i think it's it's people can relate to it you know and it kind right. of it tackles all the different aspects you know like what if you were a vampire Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and 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 when uh, the the fear that um, Peter Vincent has, you know, knowing everything mm-hmm. that he is about them and the the, the uh, way he protects himself on TV compared to the way that he is in real life, uh, I think that's something that's relatable as well. You know, we all kind of do that nowadays still too, whether it's social media or whatever, we project ourselves to be one way, and uh, the reality is something different. I think that's another identifiable level on that. Sure. Um, I love the scene where they hold up the cross, and uh, you know. He says you have to believe for that to work, and grabs right. like his big vampire weird extendo fingers. Yeah, uh, with like eight yeah. knuckles on them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, just just little things like that that I really like. Just little things that you can kind of lock into. Right. Uh, and you're like, yeah, that's totally how I would act. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what makes it something that you can watch and relate to, and why it still does have a high score. Right. Uh, on DV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I think for me. It's um, it's it's definitely that mix of the comedy and the the r- kind of ridiculous chicanery that goes on in the movie that you're like this wouldn't really happen in real life, but that makes it charming on top of the stuff that is real to you, right? Like the the accidental hero moments, the the, yeah, the, the teenager struggle mm-hmm. and and growing up and people not believing you over something and you know not not that we've all had the story of the vampire living next door, but we've all had that thing that when you're a teenager that nobody believes you and you're like oh fucking nobody sure. will listen to me because I'm just a kid and they think I'm <laughs> stupid and whatever or I'm crazy. So it's relatable just in, in different terms, you know. Exactly. Uh, but the, the the humor and the kind of silliness of it, like the, the, de- the detective comes to go question and then they let the kid come into the house with them while they're like questioning and looking around, like which they would never do something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> the, no. The kid gets irate and is like flipping out and the cops got to drag him out of the house. And, like, <laughs> just the like, crazy stuff like that that would never really happen in real life. But right. it makes the movie fun because of that you know yeah right uh, and the effects are great and that the characters fit their parts well and um, i agree that uh, evil ed is definitely annoying and <laughs> I, don't, I don't like him but that's the the thing that he's supposed to be that so he does that right well. he has yeah to be mm-hmm. exactly exactly yeah and even marcy from married with children is still kind of cute too <laughs> i'm not yeah. sure how <laughs> when she turns into a vampire it makes her hair like three times longer and then when oh, she's not so, a vampire, yeah, so it's volume in it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then when she's great. not a vampire, it's like shorter again. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's her vampire secret power is she grows long hair? That's one of them that they don't incorporate nowadays in the film. I know. I'm like, at least at least Evil Ed got to turn into a wolf. She just got long hair. Like, this fucking sucks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got the uh, wild grill and uh, what, the cross burn on his forehead. That was... Yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah, because he touched it to him and it actually worked. That was a he had awesome the, scene uh, too. The yarn doll wig that he got to wear that was that was disturbing. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, what is this? Uh, how does it? What is it about this movie that works for you, Marco? Um, it's it's got to be the the collective cast. Like you got your hero, you got your damsel in distress. You know, you got your um, goofy friend, and you got the wise old man, right? Mm-hmm. And that kind of almost simulates Star Wars. You know what I mean? In a sense. Right. Of the of the cast that works, you know, where it's like all the all the attitudes are there to make a a good team that moving forward. Even though 
you know, uh, they're getting, you know, picked off or, or seemingly picked off and, and everything. And, uh, and of course, the cast of villains, I mean, he, he got the one vampire plus his, you know, his, his, uh, his sidekick, and then of course he starts to turn other people into vampires and stuff. And it's that threat that didn't stop either. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of cool too, where you know the vampire gave gave him an out, and he didn't want to take it, and it was like, well, I'm not going to stop until you're dead, and mm-hmm. vice versa. Both of them weren't going to stop. So I think I love the whole just on paper what these characters were. If you write out their entire like backstory, and it's like a perfect team, you know what I mean? And again, I look at I look at that stuff as like mimicking Star Wars because that's you know the forefront of my life. So that is I see that in other movies now. You know, where right. all I need is the where's the Chewbacca character? Feed him. So <laughs> so and then it would have been perfect. But I think that's what made the movie appealing for myself. Where it wasn't just you know one one v one. It wasn't just like you know two people. That's just running around, you know, killing vampires or whatever. It had and actually had a a nice backstory and life. Like you were engulfed into their life for a second, and then this this uh, you know events happening that they have to get rid of. So sure, yeah. Uh, um, why don't I? I'll go first, and uh, we can give the ratings here and kind of uh, any final thought or whatever. Uh, sure. We'll, we'll go first, and then you can kind of copy off of uh, what we do, so you know okay how <laughs> how we're doing it. Yeah. But. Um, I think for me, I was given this one an 8 out of 10. It's something that I, I really like a lot. It's almost to something that I would say that I love, but um, it really just the, the couple parts where it kind of slows down and mm-hmm. a little bit of like awkward stuff that doesn't work, but the, the fun factor of it is something that makes it very rewatchable as well. So, uh, you know, at, at an 8 out of 10, it's something that I definitely will end up buying uh, a a copy of it and coming back to it over and over again over the years so so yeah i'm glad we got to do this one yeah man this is um one of those movies that uh, if it's on in halloween time you put it on the background it's great to revisit because it's an easy watch and it's a fun watch it's got the, the funny stuff to it um when it comes to like 80s horror movies in that setting where i can take a little bit of the acting or the you know the pacing as a, in kind of just kind of like okay well that was a time and and you know I don't have to be as critical. Um, I have this as an eight and a half, and okay. because again, it's just one like one of those movies where you write, you you go down a list of movies from the '80s, of course, and *Fright Night's always there, you know, with all with the other classics and everything. And a lot of people know it, also, you know, it's almost like a uh, or you know, it's not as a as a household name, but it it can be. So I'm actually shocked that you gave it an eight. I'm I'm actually happy that you gave it an eight. Yeah. You know, cause that's like, that's really, I was like, oh, cool, man. I like, uh, you know, Paul gave it an eight. That means, uh, you know, he actually really liked it. Cause I know that I know your type of movies right. or, or getting to know your type of movies versus like, you know, sometimes an eighties movie can be a little bit slow and then the payoffs at the very end of it. And, uh, and sometimes that could be a, a throw off. I know sure, that, sure. you know, so uh, that, that's good. So yeah, a solid eight and a half for me, uh, because of the nostalgia of the movie and, what it meant for me growing up too. Sure. That has a lot to play into it. Nice. Uh, I'd go ahead and give it a probably eight, eight and a half, somewhere around there. Uh, just because mm-hmm. like you said, the nostalgia of it plays a huge part. Sure. Um, they effectively, you know, told a, a story that drew, drew you in. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and they didn't use an insane amount of cursing, uh, gore, right. nudity, anything like that. Uh, you you watch the movie to watch the movie, not to see yes. specific parts. Sure. Um, and like I said, you know, previously the characters were relatable. The story was fun. Uh, the movie wasn't uh, overdrawn. Um, so you know, it, it's just a short watch. Uh, it's mm -hmm. just it, it's a fun movie to watch. You know, and I think that's worth yeah. a lot nowadays. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. So very cool. Eight and a half. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's something that I would say I wouldn't put in like my my favorite movies of all time, but it's something right. that I would recommend to pretty much anybody. It's something you'd have on your DVD shelf, but not one you'd pick out all the time to show everybody. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely a talking point movie too. You know, have you seen? You go down the list when like you know, especially like Halloween time. Everybody, goes, hey, you got to watch. You got to put Fright Night in that rotation. You know, where yeah, it, it, this... it's just like it's just like a no brainer. <laughs> It feels like it feels very Halloween uh, yeah. time of year in the movie too. Like it, feels I agree. Like it's more of a fall movie, and there's all mm -hmm. that uh, kind of mm -hmm. cool, you know, more gothic style to the house that he moves into and stuff. Right, right. I was I was uh, laughing when the one scene when he comes in to surprise them and he jumps through the giant stained glass window at the top of the stairs, and I I go to my son, I'm like, I go, well, you know, what an asshole! He just fucked that window up, and like it's, his, it's his own house. Like he has the keys to get in through the front door. <laughs> I thought you were restoring this thing. That was like the key centerpiece to it. I know. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> yeah. He's I a vampire. I, I, never, I never noticed that. Yeah, that's... As an adult, I think that's something you notice. Yeah. Nowadays. Yeah, that's right, yeah. more of an yeah. adult eyes <laughs> thing. But as an adult, you're like, wow, that's that's not going to be easy to replace. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it was completely unnecessary. What did you do that for? And that was uncalled was, for. My, my son pointed out the part in the basement in the big finale when they're breaking all the windows open. And they're just, they're breaking yeah. open like endless windows. It's probably like 27 <laughs> windows that they break open. And he goes, how many windows do they have in this basement? And he's like, most basements yeah. have like five windows. <laughs> well, in reality, it's probably just two up in the very top corner. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. I, I thought about you, know, you, you have to be at the sweet spot of the day for the sun to shine in directly, just like that. Yeah, every, from every side of the basement too, <laughs> with no type of uh, anything on the block to interfere the light. Yeah, it's amazing. That's funny. That <laughs> was great because he pointed that out. Yeah, and I'm like, I know. I was just thinking the same thing. Like they broke like 12 <laughs> windows open already, and they're all sun outside of them. It's like they live in a greenhouse right. basement. He's gonna be an insurance <laughs> salesman when he grows up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh crap. Uh, good. All right, so why don't we uh, take a little break here, and we'll reset our, our bearings here, and we'll come back, and we will talk about Labyrinth. Sounds good. You remind me of the babe. Babe with the power. Power of voodoo. 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 Remind me of the babe. I saw my babe.
Questionably uh, a horror movie, or not, I guess, but we <laughs> wanted to cover it anyways because it's just an awesome fucking movie, so. <laughs> and it was another one that it was a good excuse for me to watch it again. And really Look, kinda... man, if I was that kid, the little baby. Sure. That, I think that baby had, it was probably the most scariest thing, visions, visioning <laughs> that that kid grew up with. Um, I do have to ask though. though. He was like, well, well, does cool. anybody know? Is that the when was this movie? 1980? What was it again? 86. 86. 86. 
that's not the same baby as that looked like the same baby as in Ghostbusters 2, but it, I don't think it is. But anyway, no, no, it wasn't. Yeah, it just had a uh, yeah. So, but I was I was when I was watching this, I'm like looking at all the puppets and everything, and all the and the baby's sitting there, and all these puppets are staring at his face. I'm sitting there going, that's fucking scary, dude. Yeah, like seriously, that's scary. Well, you know, for, it's, it's for definitely even a just to imagine movie, that for sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, if the tone I, was you know, that's where the, the absolutely be horror. Yeah, yeah. It's the tongue and cheek horror. It's that vision, most vision. It's not the traditional horror, of course. Right. But I think the the nice thing is that we kind of you know, obviously we get to make the rules of our own show. So we just kind of pick and choose what we want to do. And we've done some stuff that was like thriller action, not really a horror that had some mm-hmm. horror elements. And so we kind of jump around anyways. And uh, it was just something that. When, when I saw your list, it jumped out at me right away because I was like, oh, fuck. I, I had actually been talking yeah. about this on a different podcast with somebody that uh, had brought it up as one of his favorite movies. And I was like, oh, man, now yeah. I got to actually, I got to get into this. So, <laughs> yeah. So what was it about this one that um, that really drew you into this one, Nate? Because I know you said that this was, uh, out of the whole list, was one of the more influential ones to you. Um, As far as the film goes, the adventure. I wanted to go on that adventure mm-hmm. so bad. Yeah. You know, because it's one of those things that you're like, I could do this so much better. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it was just fun for me to watch that and just want to be in that so badly. Uh, special effects wise, um, this is one of those films where the effects, I love them. I love the puppets, but it wasn't anything I wondered about, you know? Right. Uh, I kind of I kind of knew what was going on and how they did certain things. Uh, but if you get, you know, one of these special edition DVDs or whatever, and you kind of get to see the making of it, um, it was just amazing to see what all went into that. Uh, the, and the, yeah. the, the teamwork and the camaraderie and um, the amount of fun that these people would have working yeah. on something like that. And right. I, I have fun working on films nowadays, but it's not the fun that I'm seeing. But then it, it could just be romanticized. I'm not sure. Um, but it's just, and, you know, like I said earlier, that's the kind of stuff I had wanted to do that I was just 30 years too late for. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, getting to see how they make all that. Um, and I understand the technical aspect of it now, you know, making the puppets and doing all that stuff. But it was the ingenuity in making things work, like the fireys, for instance. Right. Uh, the way that they would come apart in all the sections and still play together on the scene, or in the scene, uh, the way that they did that was incredible, you know? And they used this black velvet uh, background that they constantly had to dust for uh, imperfections and things like that, and this, this crew would just puppeteer these things together. There's multiples per one, uh, obviously, because they had parts. And just seeing things like that is it's kind of like uh do you remember when we were younger and they had those shows on tv and it was like uh magician secrets exposed and it always had like the oh yeah it was kind of like that you know like they drew back the curtain to oz and you kind of get to see um how those things are done and i would look at that and i was just i was in such awe and for yeah. me to to be able to watch this movie and want to partake in that adventure mm-hmm. and uh want to be such a, a part of that for me to see how people were doing that i wanted to be that guy that mm-hmm. would make kids want to be part of a film or part of that adventure or experience that yeah, like absolutely. we said you know right now it was a fun film but i don't want to experience that no, no. <laughs> right no i hear you so no. that's that's part of the magic that went on to this and the characters in them you know that's the characters were were insanely identifiable too you know everybody's got the asshole friend like a uh, hoggle you know mm-hmm. everybody's got that kind of soft big friend you know that's like Ludo and things like, and just all these different characters you wanted to hang out with and, and become friends with, and they, they all had each other's backs no matter what. Sure. And like, is that yeah. that is just that's cool to me. You know, you don't always see that anymore, if oh, yeah, it, if yeah. at all. The the characters are great in this. All the different uh, people that she meets along the way, 
and their little like personality quirks and their the the unique blend of of humor that each one of them kind of brings on their own whether it's <laughs> the the wise man who's not really funny but there's like kind of the whole back and forth with the bird hat thing and you're right uh, <laughs> well i used to wonder right. i used to get so pissed off at the worm because i was like god damn it if that worm hadn't sent her that way the movie would be over in 15 minutes she could have handled this and we could all go <laughs> yeah. home right but, uh, you know, after watching it so many times, you realize that there are certain paths that you have to take in life for things that work out the way yes. that they do. Right. And they did such a great job of conveying that in this film. Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, you, huge you life lessons. Go, you had to experience this. You had to meet this person. Because she wouldn't have gotten yeah. through that Goblet City without that entire team of people. Mm -hmm. So that was that was another really cool thing about it. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what... Uh... What about you, Marco? What uh, What's your take on this, your initial thoughts? Yeah, man. To curtail on what he was talking about, about the technology, this is a perfect example of something that was uh, written on paper and they had to invent the way to do it instead of vice versa, instead of going, well, we know we can, you know, we can use this rock face and we can just write this story around this rock face. No, they're like, no, but we want this rock face to have eyes and teeth and move. Um, I thought one of the most creative parts to it, the movie was the helping hand scene. And when they would make shapes of, oh, yeah, of the, the voices and, you know, the yeah. faces and stuff. And, and as a kid, of course, it scared me, man. I'm not going to lie. This movie scared me as a kid. I was I was very bothered. There was at the an same time. Of, yeah, I remember that. Uh -huh. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, I was fascinated with the movie itself. Um, a lot to do with the characters and the and when we get into our, our you know, favorite scenes and stuff like that. But uh one of the things that I remembered Labyrinth, you know, in the movie itself was the very end when, um, you know, she, she, they pretty much tell her, look, we're the characters that you meet, we're here when you need us the most kind of stuff. And I, and I took that because um, I've mentioned this before, Paul, to you. It's like, you know, I was a, a kid that always would, you know, delve into like Dungeon and Dragon books and those, uh, those self-adventure ones, you know, turn to page five if you want to go left, turn oh, to page oh, six yeah. if you want to go you know, and those are, I I mean, I just lived off those, you know, and uh, this movie had that aspect. You're right. It's like if you would have went left, the movie had been over. But, you know, going through the adventures and the, and the puzzle solving and the characters that you meet, how so interesting they are. Because mm -hmm. um, I think this the, right around the same time or maybe before was that movie Never Ending Story, which had that kind of same life lesson kind of deal, you know. Right. And uh and of course, the puppets and stuff—it just puts you in that fantasy world that that you just can't—you can't get that anywhere. And like I, I've mentioned this to Paul too, it's like I love a movie that where you can't see when you go outside your door. You know what I mean? When you have to live inside your brain, and right, that's right. where you know she was. She she lived inside her brain, and uh, I was like sitting there relating it to it so much because I would do that for hours, just be in my room creating these stories on my own. You know. Sure. Uh, you know, and, and it's just and it's great. And like I said, with the uh, with the technology aspect of it, you've got to appreciate that. And I think a lot of people I don't think there's anybody that does. It. Uh, I'm, it's like one of those things like we live in a world where we have labyrinth. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Imagine if we didn't. What what wouldn't have came after Jim Henson Studios? Like, you know what I mean? Like, where where would we be differently if this movie didn't exist? You know, right. so many influential movies that came after it. This has got to be like the one, one of the movies that sits there. And go, man! If uh, you know, one main influence was Labyrinth growing up, you know, and I and I invented this movie or this movie, or whatever. But it's just an important, important movie, you know, all around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's such a need to have something like that again. Like I, I heard that they were may uh, 
we're bringing Dark Crystal to HBO as a series. I'm not. Uh, I heard it was Netflix. Is it Netflix? Okay. I'm very interested in that. If they're going to go the route, like you said, with uh, are they going to go to puppetry? I hope so. Yeah, you know? they are. I hope they don't do any it. CG. You know what I mean? Just straight up everything where you have to build the sets. You have to walk around the sets. I mean, that, that to me is more of an art style. Like you like you said, that's the art that's being lost. And I'm hoping that something like that can preserve it, you know? Right. Yeah, and that's one of those films that I think is amazing to watch. And it's mm-hmm. a spectacle to behold. But I never got mm-hmm. to the story. Something about that story just never mm-hmm. grabbed me. Right. Yeah, that's this... because the puppets are scary. Right. <laughs> well, this one definitely has the story and the characters and everything. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I mean, my, my take on it was I hadn't seen it since I was a kid, probably. And I know as a kid, I probably saw it a shitload of times. Sure. And then I've seen, you know, who knows how many thousands of movies over all those years. And so now it was almost like watching it again. But it's one of those things where as soon as you see it, then you're like, oh, yeah, this part. Oh, yeah, this part. Yeah. So I was doing a lot of that kind of thing. I think that's one of the things that it, one of the reasons why it still holds a special place is because I can watch it and it still brings back that wonder and that awe. Yeah, yeah. And that that kind of, it takes me back to that place in my mind that I could go to, you know, easily Mm -hmm. when I was 10 or whatever, you know, and I can't reach it so easily anymore. Sure. Uh, Well, before car payments, before mortgages. (laughs) Yeah, you know, all the things that ruin life nowadays. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I, th- I think yeah. even for a kid now, I think because of the fact that this is all tangible stuff and, and practical and real and it has that heft like we've been talking about, that, like, I didn't watch this one with my son because he's, you know, he's only over, like, a couple days a week and then a couple days in his mom's house or whatever, so mm-hmm. uh, I didn't get to watch it with him, but I had talked to him about it, and I, I know his mom was a fan of this movie, too, and I said, have you watched this at your mom's house? Said, oh, yeah, that movie rules, you know? Nice. I love that, and so... You know, even for a kid that's turning 12 now, this shit all still works in this movie because it's all, it's all real. So yeah. Well, you know, a, f- yeah. a fun fact too is that originally they were considering using uh, Prince, Mick mm-hmm. uh, Jagger, or Michael Jackson for the part of Jerry. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mick Jagger would have worked too. Yeah. See, I don't, pr- the music actually, though, would be different. Yeah, the music would have been different if it was. Yeah, I mean, Prince and Michael Jackson. Now that you say that, I'm like. I don't know. I mean, I would love to see it. Michael Jackson, not so much. Yeah, I would definitely. I'm a Prince. huge Michael Jackson fan, but I would like I'd kill for Jackson. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't be. It'd be Moonwalker again with puppets. Yeah, right. yeah, and and yeah, I love Moonwalker. But yeah, so. <laughs> but but it's it's then you go like, well, then we wouldn't have David Bowie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. David Bowie is amazing. And see, and then it all comes down to you know that's basically I think David Bowie made the movie. The music set yeah, the tone. Yeah. You yeah. know that his character was incredible. Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, I think that—that's what made it. That was just a great choice on casting in that part. So it should have been him and Mick Jagger, and they could have done that one uh, homoerotic <laughs> the song in the that they did together. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would work good for the PG movie. You're right. Yeah, amazing. It's bad enough that he already had a, a spandex bulge going on. It was a little risque <laughs> no. for a PG movie. That's, yeah, but that's one of the greatest takeaways from that film nowadays, too. You know, everybody <laughs> references that. So Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you, you brought up the baby earlier. The baby that played, or the kid that played the baby, and now he's our age now. Uh, yeah. The guy who designed all the goblins, uh, that was his father. Oh, nice. Oh, so, oh really? They, yeah. Well, the kid yeah. that played the, uh, the baby was the son of the guy who designed all the goblins. Uh, he actually, his name is Toby Froud. He put out a labyrinth-esque film recently in the last few years. Oh, really? So his real um, name was Toby, then, the, the character, too. Yeah, what was real odd was that the father, before the kid was born, had done a drawing of his child, and it looked exactly like the kid came out looking. Ooh, so, wow. Wow. 
Nice. Yeah, oh, that's, that's cool. pretty cool. I'll have to look up his uh, his other movie to see what that's about. Yeah, I'll try to find it and send you guys some links or something. Right. Sure, sure. So among all, I guess uh, we should talk about some of these crazy characters in the movie. Oh, oh yeah. Um, why don't we uh, go around and, and everyone can kind of pick out one of their favorite characters and we can uh, talk about them. But I'll go first so no one takes mine because I want to talk about <laughs> I know which one you're going to take. <laughs> <laughs> you saw me post it on Instagram and uh, probably on Facebook. I know. Oh, go ahead. I'll let you have it. <laughs> but yeah, I forgot how awesome Ludo is. And I am like in love with that character now. Yeah. I uh, I actually started watching part of it again after I watched it, and I I watched like a part of it, and uh, just watching him like made me feel all emotional, and I was like, oh my god, I love him so much. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's such a cool concept. He's he's almost like this Chewbacca esque, uh, gentle mm-hmm. giant. Um, but obviously he's much more kind of uh, that dopey friendly like a reminds me of like a, a snuffleupagus or something almost yeah <laughs> it's chewbacca you know right yeah, he right, does have right. that kind of gentle protector kind of thing going on yeah he's like okay let me just call the rocks <laughs> oh, yeah and i mean plus if you ever get caught in the bog of eternal stench and you need someone to summon a rock bridge for you, then you got that going. So yeah, well, that, ha- that happened. I remember. I, I remember actually. Yeah, I actually remember being scared of him as a kid when, especially when he would summon rocks. I, I just, oh, yeah. you know, you're, you know, I'm not a kid kid at that age, but it's just like, oh man, I don't what I'm kind of scared, but in a in a very curiosity way. Yeah, well, it's funny because that scene when we meet him where they got him hung upside down and they're biting him with the things on the end of the sticks or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't even know what the yeah, those are called. Yeah, the little, like, unborn fetuses <laughs> biting him at the sticks. Yeah, they're like vampire fetuses <laughs> on they sticks. They uh, <laughs> look like the vampires from Stakeland. Um, oh, okay. No, yeah. they, they uh, you just hear them at first, and I'm like, I, you know, like I said, I don't remember any of this, and I'm like, oh my god, what the hell is that sound? It sounds horrific, whatever she's going to encounter. And then, uh, you know, they show, like, Hoggle's terrified, and he runs away, and he's like, fuck you, bitch, I'm not your friend. Like, he <laughs> yeah. does, like, ten times. In the Verbatim. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on, Hoggle, let's go do this together. And he's like, fuck off, and he just splits, but... <laughs> he does it, like, ten times in the movie. But, um, no, when you hear that sound, I'm just like, holy shit, what the hell is this thing? I don't remember. And then we see him, and I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 okay. And then, you know, he just has that gentle demeanor, and his voice is so great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's just a uh, cool character. I wish that uh, I could get a cool action figure of him. But there's only a shitty pop vinyl thing of him. Oh no, they have some great oh. action figures. I'll have to send you links on that too. Oh really? But uh, yeah, let me go second so I don't have to worry about mine being taken. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're... my favorite, absolutely by far, has always been Sir Didymus. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Not just for the comedic aspect, but for the just unrivaled bravery. And just the not yeah. giving fuck that this guy has mm-hmm. is incredible. Yeah. And the fact that he's willing to fight you even if he knows that, you know, he's wrong or just something about his determination. I but he has love. that respect, too. Uh-huh. Like, I respect you for, you know, like, like he's like that person. If you beat him in a duel, now you gain his respect. Right. He, it was all about honor. It was, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, he, he fought Ludo to a draw, according to him. He's like, oh, he fought me to a draw. It's like, I thought you guys were just getting started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and see, and I think I've always kind of viewed myself that way, too. So, you know, I am the, the little dog that'll fight the giant. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I probably won't fare as well, but. 
Well, just the mechanics of his character, and then with his with his dog that he's riding with Ambrosius, and, and like the mechanics of that, like the scenes are so well done, where some parts it's a, an actual dog, and some it's an actual puppet, and right, and the way that they film it, like that's one thing that I notice as an adult versus a kid is you go like, okay, well, on this it's cut off below the chest because you can't see the bottom of the dog because it's the puppet, but the puppet looks pretty good still. And then yeah. other scenes they have him riding running away, but then somehow. Uh, you know, Didymus is still actually moving around and shit while it's on the dog's back. And oh, there's scenes where Didymus is fighting Ludo, and he raises his arm, and you see the wires connected to his arm still. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's but you know that's that goes back to one of the things. It's, it's you kind of you put it out of your mind, mm -hmm. and you enjoy the film for what it is. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but obviously no, it's very fake. But... Yeah, his personality is great. I love that uh, that willingness to fight anyone. And the one when they get to the the gate of the castle. And there's the sleeping yeah. guard, and he's like, come on, you bastard. And he's like pounding on his helmet and stuff. And they're That's like, right. And then Ludo just walks up and opens the door, and he's like, look, we could just walk right in. <laughs> he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, it's the, the, the things that you that you find, you know, that are hidden, like the, and especially in all the dialogue. Um, and that's why my, my favorites are the goblins. The goblins, to me, are, like, the best because they're, they're just little stuff that they say on the side on the sly and right, in right. here and there it's just brilliant man the throwaway lines and stuff yeah and then but you know they're just, oh, they're yeah. people living in the labyrinth you know right. they have their own separate lives going on mm -hmm. yeah no so, oh, i know I, I like the the goblins in the castle too where he'll he'll make a joke and they they don't laugh and he's like well laugh already and then they're like yeah, oh, yeah laugh. They oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> did you know that um the father was in star wars when I have to know these things because Star Wars. <laughs> Empire oh yeah, 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 right. Well, you can I edit. Forgot who he was. You can edit that later. <laughs> uh, Rogue that, Two. Actually. He played Rogue Two. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, at the very beginning, he was in the the snow speeder because I why, I remember seeing it go. Hey, Rogue Two. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> I I did see yeah, that when I was uh, I was I was uh, digging deep on the IMDb going through. Uh, okay. And, oh yeah. Who was oh, this guy? What was he in? I love uh, kind of digging around in those. I know we had kind of talked about the fireies. That was a great scene where they have them all on the, the blacked out screen and just the parts are popping out and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, that's amazingly done. Um, and the uh, the worm we talked about too is another great mm -hmm. one. Uh, I, I always wanted her to go in there for that cup of tea also. Like all yeah, of the right. worms seemed very nice to have. Go in there for a cup of yeah. tea. You know, I always wanted like we all. I, to me, I feel like we've missed something. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to see the worms. <laughs> and where was she gonna go? Like, mm -hmm. it was it an opening? You know, so. right. What was of... really cool was uh, in the the opening of the film. You know, when they're panning across Sarah's room and everything, is that everything that is in the film is in her room. Yes. Right? And so yes. it's just all the puppets and the, the the different teddy bears she had. You know, and they incorporated all that into the, the fantasy world. Even the uh, the MC Escher poster that was yes. in there. Right. The, the, final world you know where she faced Jareth and yeah so yeah. I always, always really enjoyed that and there's still stuff today that I'll look at and I'll see uh, I remember noticing something oh yeah amazing. man the, that's why honestly this movie to me like I said it, it hits home because it's that you know kid is sitting at the in your room writing a story and of course it's all in her head you know even at the beginning she's like you know I always say, uh, tell people at the very beginning she's LARPing outside or she's cosplaying outside you know being this <laughs> you know doing this and she's writing the, of course, you know, it's in her journal, the labyrinth, you know, and um, mm -hmm. and it's like to me, it's like, okay, did this happen? Did it make it happen, or was this all living in her head, you know? And right. I, I, well, I think it's all in her head because it's that she's that person where she doesn't have a bad home life, you know. It's got she's a typical teenager 
problems, but um, you know, it's that I I have a, I live in a different world. I live in a different fantasy world, you know. And right. uh, when and when she wants her friends, like I said, the 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 most touching part of the entire story is to me is that is the we're here when you need us kind of stuff. And she looks in the mirror and they're all her friends are there again. And she turns around and they're all there and they have a big party. I just, I don't know. I just really, really, really <laughs> love that emotional, you know, uh, tie into it because again, how we touched on it. You say like, when you're a kid and you go through your teenage years before life gets a hold of you and dirties you up, you know, with problems and, and everything else that real life has to offer, you know, we've all lived in our heads at one point. And movies right. and comic books and books, they're all an escape, you know, and that's just there's something about that where we all lose as adults, you know, but as children, we're all artists, we're all creative, you know, beings. Mm -hmm. And then eventually some of us go on to do other things with it and other people, you know, just trying to live their life, which there's nothing wrong with it. But I always thought that capturing that moment and going like, you know what, I was there, too, as a kid, you know, or, or a teenager, too, you know, right. uh, in that world is just like it just makes you feel good real amazing you know? sure sure i agree i think one of the things that almost gets overlooked because the, all the, the creature and, and puppet work and stuff is so amazing is that the the set design of this movie is oh also God. pretty incredible i mean just that the uh the the bog scene where everything was you know the bubbling water and the crazy swamp yeah. effects and stuff and yes uh, you know all the, the all the walls and and crazy effects that they did with that like even the scene with the worm where they do that thing where it looks like it's a solid wall but there's an opening you just can't tell because everything is right. perfectly aligned right I think the set design is almost overshadowed by the monsters which is a masterpiece in the, of itself you know a hundred percent agreed that's Jim Henson Studios and I'm glad that um, this is where I give like the the Lucasfilm department and art department so much credit is because that's what they did their attention to detail is like just second to none mm -hmm. i agree what uh what was your your favorite set piece of it that they had recreated do you like the uh like the walls part or the inside the castle or you know my favorite uh one that i'm always drawn to is uh the initial uh just corridor where she's running and running and running and it never ends mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, I know you got like a special edition DVD or something. Uh, I don't know if you watched the making of, but that wasn't that long of a corridor. Okay. Uh, it, it stopped at a certain area and then the rest of it was a matte painting to, and to right. trick the eye. Okay. Uh, to me, that was always just amazing. Yeah. And, uh, matte painters are, are something that, uh, man, it, it's sad that it's a lost art because yeah, it's, I, a, I, yeah, it's beautiful I what they can do. That. And yeah, I can't yeah. do that. I can I can make monsters. I can tear people in half. Mm -hmm. I can't mm -hmm. paint. I could never paint a matte scene. I couldn't. It's it's incredible. Those yeah. guys have so much respect for me. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't get to watch the special features, but I definitely want to uh, dig deeper on this one a bit more. Oh yeah, you have to. The, the way that they did everything is just amazing. Right. You know, and a lot of it was new, and a lot of it was just uh, they don't. You know, they didn't do it again after this particular film. It's right, just right. for this film. Yeah, my favorite, mm -hmm. my favorite set piece has got to be the the bog of eternal stench, as I called out before. <laughs> I mean, just there's so much cool shit there. It's like uh, it's foresty, it's it's swampy. You know, you have the yeah. uh, the gross like sludge water that's farting, and this, like, right. the the crazy cliffs and stuff that they got to kind of repel along the side of the mountain side there for part of it, and then well, you know, there's so many. There's the oubliette and uh, the the hall of hands and yeah, all that mm -hmm. other stuff. You know, just the, the 
whatever the cave of uh, faces or I don't, I'm, I'm just giving these things names. I'm sure they're not the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is another cool thing. If you notice when you watched, uh, you, you mentioned uh, Dave made a maze earlier. Right. And I don't know if you realize, but when he walked in initially, when they all get into the maze right. and they see the room with a giant face spitting out all the, the paper, right. Uh, it looks exactly like one of the faces from the underground in Labyrinth. Oh, right, right. The, wow. uh, for, the foreboding faces or whatever. Right. They're like, don't go in, go back. Like, exactly. Today, That's right. my son and I noticed and really enjoyed about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did notice a, a lot of influence kind of in reverse because I had saw Dave made a maze and then had revisited this. Right. So in reverse, I was mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, yeah, this kind of reminds me of stuff that I saw in that one. So it's definitely super heavily inspired. Which is good. We need more people like that. Yeah. That kind yeah. of, yeah. Uh, you know, ability to tell stories that way and, and see them that way. Sure. What about you, Marco? Uh, a favorite set piece come to mind? The city. Um, when they get into where all the goblins are attacking them before they get into the, the main hall. Oh, so right, just right. the, where the, you know, where they're. Well, the go- they came to the entrance and all the goblins were on top and they brought the cannon and each- all the- that whole battle scene, that whole city right. with the with the weird rocks going up and down. It, would- it just <laughs> was like so Sesame Street-ish and everything, which is so cool mm-hmm. um, to see that. But the most creative is the whole, you know, the, the helping hands. Yeah. Um, that's got to be the- probably the most creative scene I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that is cool. You, you know, but uh, the one that had like the-, the attention to detail to the smallest was that, that I guess the... I don't know if it's the Goblin City or whatever it is, but it's the, the all the buildings and everything. It's just so great. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Yeah, everything is just like it's it's a movie that you could watch with the sound off and and still oh be my totally god engulfed in just because right. so yeah. much cool it's stuff great to, look too at. to see that Goblin City and you see life just continuing on mm-hmm. as the story yeah. progresses. Uh, like when she leaves the marks on the tiles and stuff like that. Yeah, and right. Then the little guy come up from under the tiles pissed off because you know she marked up their home. Oh, right, right. Uh, just little things like that was just super cool to be able to. To me, yeah. I was like, why doesn't she just crawl up on top of the wall and walk the length of the wall? I know. But you know, I don't know if that would be a. Because the issue. movie would be over. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, as a kid, you want the quick way out. That was... Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's another great scene, too, is when um she goes into her. her um When all the, you know, the, the I guess the trash lady with the stuff oh, on yeah, her arm. You know, the, yeah, and then. But go, when they go into her room and the room starts breaking up, I, you know, it's like when the walls are starts tearing away and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I was just like blown away, blown away. Yeah. I agree. There's re- there's really not a bad scene in this film that you no. Could, oh. I mean, everything from the uh, the ball scene to yeah, the ball scene was so like beautifully shot and just the the ballroom scene is a that's where the emotions because again, remember she's telling the story how the Goblin King is in love with her. You know what I mean? Right. And there is that sense of that, especially in the ballroom scene, where he's very disappointed in her because, uh, you know, he's trying to keep her there and, and, you know, using the baby and stuff. But, you know, he's in love with her at the same time. And that's why he's like, I've done everything for you. And she's like, what? <laughs> then he gives her, you know, he gives her her speech of like his point of view of like what, you know, he's actually done for her. But that's a great like emotional uh, love connection on that scene because she right. wrote that in in her book. Yeah, this movie is definitely great. <laughs> I think I'm gonna watch it again tomorrow for uh, for 420. Oh man! <laughs> I, I think that I don't think that it definitely got all the uh, the attention it deserved. You know? No, it's it's um, found a, a second life for sure, where people yeah have have 
kept this movie part of the the you know relevant scene, part of the the conversation, mm-hmm. and so I think enough people are still talking about it. But no, for sure, as as I don't know at the time how well it did or whatever, but it's definitely a, a masterpiece of of what it is. So and I mean, there's so many other characters and stuff that. And just little things like you could just go on and on, like you said, the little just throwaway scene of the she marks the tiles on the, the ground, and then the little guy comes up and flips it over, or like they walk by right. something and some little thing happens in the background. It's just just those right. little that tiny throwaway eyeball vines and stuff like that. Yeah, that make the movie just that much better, you know. Uh, it's something you could watch it 50 times and then keep finding different stuff too. Right. Absolutely. So, uh, good. Well, why don't we, uh, we can kind of go around and give, uh, a final thoughts and ratings and, and, uh, close this one out here. Yeah, you guys go ahead. Um, I will, I'll go first. Um, having, having revisited this for the first time in a long time, it was basically like, it felt almost like a first time watch for me. Oh, sure. Um, I know there is a lot of nostalgia that I'm, I'm just not remembering everything but i know that i had a love for this movie at one time uh everything is pretty much great in it uh it's there's nothing i could say is done poorly or anything but the only things that i would come down a little bit for me personally just in my enjoyment is uh, not to take anything away from David Bowie's music or anything, but I'm not big on like musical <laughs> numbers in the middle of movies. Yeah, and yeah. So for me, it was that like, for me personally, it slows the movie down a little bit when that happens, and I appreciate the the quality that goes into it. And I know it's a good scene for people that like that. That's sure. You know, it's well done, but. Uh, that was really the only part that brought it down very much for me. And I would have liked to have seen at least one character die. <laughs> at least have like a, a little bit of stakes, just like one one person dies. Like maybe uh, like Hoggle has to sacrifice himself at the end to like save everybody. Right, right, like, right. Eh, he was old and fucked up anyways. He could die. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I would still, I mean, I would give this probably, I mean, I want to say it's a nine, even though there's things I take away from it, just because it's something that I think is a classic and a masterpiece and something that mm-hmm. I'm going to, now that I own it, will revisit on a regular basis. So Yeah. So you're giving it a nine? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm right there with you. Like a nine is, I'm giving it a nine also. And it's, um, you look and you go, look, I can't, I, I don't want to find flaws in it. Right. Um, but at the same time, you want to, uh, you're writing on the musical numbers. I'm always cringy on musical numbers and it doesn't care if it calls for whatever. Uh, I'd rather David Bowie just been, he did the soundtrack, you know what I mean? Just left it alone. Uh, if there's anything like, even as a kid growing up, I was, I, I still, you kind of tuned out on those. Cause you know, you're oh, a boy kid playing with GI Joe's and you're not, you don't really care about David Bowie at the time. So, um, right. <laughs> and yeah, so like in, in his, like I said, a nine is like a very, very good score anyway, because it's just such a, um, like Nate's saying, it's, it's a missing art form. You know what I mean? Right. It's a missing piece of human achievement in movie history. When you could, when you could create a world like this, especially with puppets and, and facades and then you, you know, you acted it and everything. That's why, you know, Jim Henson, Frank Oz, those guys are gods in this world. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's like it's like something where I I don't want to imagine a world without labyrinth in it. You know what I mean? Just just like just like Star Wars, I can't re- I can't imagine you know us being here not having Star Wars as a thing. Sure, um, sure. And I and I I can honestly say that about labyrinth, of course. Uh, and just for like all the technical achievements and of course the emotional roller coasters or the emotional uh, 
characters that this movie brought. Like you said, you you have these things now where it's like, I wish I actually had that character in real life to guide me through life, you know? So um, very relatable and uh, anything fantasy, man, I am there. So, so I'm there and I'm glad that we actually got to review this movie again or, or, or do it in our show, even though, like I said, it's debatable if it's horror or not, but sometimes we take a little break from it. And this is a different kind of fantasy, you know, uh, look on it. And uh, I really appreciate it. I'm hoping that we could do more of that again. Like uh, maybe we'll do Gar- Dark Crystal because that kind of almost is in the same sentence as Labyrinth right. a lot of times too. Well, it's, yeah, it's probably yeah, because yeah. of the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude. And, and it's a lot because of the technical achievements on it. So, yeah. It's funny too because the other recording we did this week, which will probably come out before this one, but we're, is like the, the total other end of the spectrum where yes, we it covered is. like a, a super horrific visceral slasher movie and then Labyrinth. We debated on whether to saw somebody in half or using a gun was a great way to kill somebody. Versus, and then go, we go to here. Sawing them in half the, we go to here. Sawing them in half the long way. Right. Uh, oh, wow. With the hacksaw the or body. a long saw. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or so. shooting them in the face 17 times. Yeah. <laughs> We're well, very yeah, diverse. These things need to be addressed at some point. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got to have it's important a, decisions. A exactly. So uh, I guess as far as the movie goes, I'm, I'm trying to not let my, the fact that, you know, it's kind of shaped what I do and sure. it's a huge part of my childhood. Uh, I'm trying not, not to let that uh, sway me or influence me in any way, but. I'm going to have to say 9-5. I don't yeah, think I could ever give a movie a perfect score. Sure. Uh, mm. But this this is just everything that I want in a movie, everything I want mm. it to be, everything I hope a movie has. Mm. Uh, it's all there. And I, I personally love the music. So that's not such sure. a turn off to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm a huge Bowie fan, and I thought that, you know, he did just the right amount of pop. And, uh, right. And mm-hmm. that, you know, all of his little scores and everything really drew you in to the parts it needed to draw you into. Uh, right. So, you know, overall, I'm just, I'm, I'm pleased. I'm 100% pleased with it. But like I said, I can't ever give anything a, a 10. So 9-5, I'll go. Absolutely. That's the, that's almost like a perfect movie to you as a 9-5 is that you're going to get. Yeah. Right. If I, I, I can't even imagine what will happen in my brain if I see a 10. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh... No, that's cool. I, I, I think, like we had said, it's not anything about the quality of the music that is in the movie. It's more just the, the presentation like of it. Under. Right, right. Where it kind yeah. of shifts gears from like it's silly to like then theatrical and then back to silly kind of thing. So, <laughs> but. Uh, oh, that's another good one. I guess my uh, Little Shop of Horrors is a horror film, huh? Yeah, that's another one that I had grown up watching a bunch of times, right. and I. I don't really remember too much about it, but I remember enough about it. Yeah, yeah. I remember everything about them. Yeah. I remember the one thing I don't like is that it makes Steve Martin an asshole, and I always love Steve Martin. Well, <laughs> yeah, oh, he's a, a woman abuser. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. he's the best thing about perfect. the movie. Yeah. That's one of my favorite songs from the film. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, good. Well, why don't we uh, take one more break here and we'll uh, play a promo for another show that we are friends of and then we'll come back and let you know where to find all of us. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. 
No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, Prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of here. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. back and 
that's our two movie discussions as well as getting to know a little bit more about our guest Nate and uh, we just want to thank him for giving us a, a couple hours of his time to talk about some movies and give us a little bit different insight also just to yeah. kind of choose uh, some some stuff that maybe we wouldn't have picked ourselves. it's a hard thing to do in this where you have a million options and if somebody can help you narrow it down a little bit that helps a lot but most of all for just you know coming on and i know you're not usually a podcaster and you don't do this kind of thing so uh, Man, it's very cool of you to uh, give it a shot and, and take some Thank time you, to hang out so with us yeah i enjoyed it uh this is something i would sit around uh, a pizza and do with you guys in reality there you, you know? go sure sure I hope yeah happen one day thank you guys so much for everything yeah absolutely oh, absolutely our pleasure our pleasure yeah and we'll we'll um, i'm sure stay in contact as we have been anyways and uh we'll work something out in the future to do this again uh in the meantime why don't you let everyone know what you have going on where they can find you where they can follow you keep up with uh what's going on right. in, in your world uh that's the best way you know obviously facebook uh nate bright uh you can always follow along there uh you can follow me on instagram uh it's under illogical the i-l-l underscore l-o-g-i-c-a-l uh and right now those are probably two big best places to, to kind of keep up with me sure uh, so i don't put too much out and uh like I, I mentioned before you know i don't advertise um so yeah follow along and if you guys ever need to get a hold of me there's you can always do it through either one of those platforms so yeah definitely and i'm sure once you you know, once you have other projects and stuff that are coming out, I'm sure you will be posting about those and stuff too. So people Absolutely. can see that you're doing that. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, and we'll keep a lookout for this uh, one-man army when that comes out. We'll definitely check. Or that army out. of one. Or one one of armies. Uh, one army of army one. of one. Jesus Christ. Army of one. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, it's getting late. it's getting late in the night here for me. Sorry. I'm having that slurring problem we were talking about. It happens. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll keep an eye out for that. And when that comes out, we'll definitely uh, post about that and be talking about it, I'm sure. So. Sounds great. Uh, cool. And then in the meantime, as far as for us, uh, Marco, let everybody know where to keep up with you. Sure. You can keep up with me with the uh, Who Will Survive. Uh, I try to be a little bit active on our Facebook and, and Instagram, but that's all Paul. I'll jump in there and then throw my two cents in there and I'll quickly get out. But um, I have uh, my other show. My other love of life is Star Wars, as everybody who knows me knows that. And it, the podcast that I run is called the Sarlacc Digest. That's S-A-R-L-A-C-C. And we have our own feed on SoundCloud, iTunes, anywhere where you get your podcast. Uh, we are also part of the RLU, the Raw Live and Unedited Podcasting Network. Uh, you can find us there. Uh, a bi-weekly Star Wars show, and we just kind of break down Star Wars talk, Star Wars news, geek out, um, and just have a lot of fun with it. Sounds good. And uh, as far as me, uh, I guess if you want to actually follow my personal going on stuff, uh, besides the podcast, is pretty much just pictures of me after running and <laughs> pictures of my dog. <laughs> at the moment uh if the weather ever finally breaks here in new york then never then uh you'll start seeing some fo toy photography come up from me again but i can't wait for that honestly i can't wait for that yeah like I, I, i'm, I'm really trying too. to yeah, yeah i, I love you know it yeah even like the like the weather is it's whatever it's shitty but the problem is also because i'm training for this stupid marathon and i'm like spending so much time running after work that i don't have time to do anything else besides run and watch movies yeah. so uh, yeah so that's also consuming that but that's a uh, come memorial day weekend that'll be over with and if i'm still alive after that then i'll definitely be taking more pictures so <laughs> After you watch Han Solo, of course, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay, okay cool. 
as long as we got that. <laughs> yeah, as long as I can get a seat where I can stretch my legs out, because I'm gonna get a hamstring there cramp. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the Who Will Survive Instagram page, uh, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast on Instagram. Uh, it's been a little bit slacking there, but the last week has been crazy. But I'm gonna be throwing a bunch of movie recommendations up on there soon. And our Facebook group page and like page are under the same name, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast. And of course, if you're listening, you know that we're on iTunes or Stitcher or also on the Raw Live and Unedited Podcast Network and on the Legion Podcast Network. And I think that is everything. So, yeah, thanks again, Nate. Thank you, guys. Yeah, we'll, thank you very, very much. Yeah, we'll add links for your uh, your social medias to our Facebook posts and stuff and your, our Instagram posts. Uh, let everyone know where you're at. And in the meantime, we will uh, see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. I was thinking uh, for the, the the podcast photo or whatever the episode photo, uh-huh. um, I'll use the one of you with the pregnant belly and then the elongated black box over your dick. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of a better pick. That's, yeah. That's <laughs> I was gonna comment on that picture and be like, "This is the one I'm gonna use," but I figured I'd just tell you now. So. <laughs> oh my god! I need Surprise. to learn to not put stuff like that on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
Like, I, I have to ground my son weeks at a time from Google. <laughs> you know, I just got grounded for porn, but... Yeah. <laughs> this him, isn't like, working Why don't you go look up breasts or something? Quit Googling words. I know. You know right. In, he's an odd one. I'll come into the room and he'll be like, the other night I go in there late at night and he's up on his computer watching something. If that had been me at that age, I know exactly what it would have been. So I'm like, what are you doing? And I walk over there and he's like, oh, I'm learning French. <laughs> oh my God. That's... <laughs> you just you just like slowly walk back and cry a little bit like thank you. Yeah, you know, it's, like you're kind of relieved, but you're more disappointed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, oh, really, oh my it's god, amazing, but it, it's just yeah. it's, he's he's different. So.